In the words of the great Tom Brady, we're back. Uh, back, maybe not better than ever. Man on your nation, going to talk a lot about the hoops, uh, the game in the fog, the games since the new year, uh, Big 12 play. A lot, a lot of hoops talk tonight. Uh, we also get into the transfer portal, kind of hot and heavy there, how it affects the Mountaineers. Always got to have some off-season discussion there. Uh about Mountaineer football and how the portal's affecting it. And then at the very end, we'll also kind of touch on and kind of discuss the uh, this opening weekend of the NFL playoffs. Should be fun. You guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab the coffee, Phil style. If it's in the evening, grab that drink. Come on back because we're talking all things Mountaineer hoops, little football, and, of course, NFL football here on the porch. Zach and CJ right around the corner. Let's go. Ha <laughs> fellas, we're back. Debatable weather better than ever, but it is the first episode out here on the porch in uh 2022. Welcome in, fellas. Uh was was a rough holiday season, but uh Hugs and Crew have got it back on track. And let's be real, the the one loss in basketball during the holidays wasn't a whole lot what was gonna happen there. I mean, we we kind of knew that going in, right? kind of tough when you lose the best score in the Big 12 and the best defensive player in the Big 12 and what could be one of the best freshmen in the Big 12. It's kind of hard to beat anybody. Uh, Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, it definitely, definitely makes it an uphill battle, especially when you're on the road, um, you know. But, I mean, you were kind of thinking, you know, with, you know, obviously before TCU got canceled, if you can go one and one in that stretch and split that, you were going to feel pretty good. And that was before, you know, COVID reared its head. But I mean, to go down there to play hard to scrap and, you know, show a bunch of fight despite missing, you know, your heart and soul. And then the guy who's been carrying you offensively, um, you know, definitely left you feeling pretty good coming out of it. Yeah. You know, see, that's a good point you brought up about kind of the fight that was displayed in that Texas game, um, regardless of what the scoreboard showed, because let's, come on, let's be honest. It, it was not, it was never even as close as the final score indicated. I mean, we were, once they went on the run there in, in the first half um, and kind of exploded out on us, it, it was, it was over. Um, but I think there is something to be said to the fact that, like you said, we kind of fought, you saw Jalen Bridges in that game finally kind of, take control offensively and kind of really put his foot down and let's go, let's be aggressive. And I think that was a big contributing factor. And what happened last night was that confidence from the Texas game kind of continuing to spill over, you know, two games later in that victory against Oklahoma State. We didn't see it on Saturday against K-State, but we saw it again here on Tuesday night versus the Pokes. That's for damn sure. Totally. He's – He's starting to emerge, which he, he kind of did that last year. It kind of coincided with Oscar's leaving, but whenever conference play started, he really took off. And, I mean, three games in a conference play, he's he's done that a couple times now. So let's hope that's a that's a reoccurring theme because we really need him. We, we can't rely on just Taz and Sean. We've said that multiple times since the season started, but we got to have him offensively. And even Gabe. Look at Gabe just being a, a baller. I'll take it. Hey, I'll tell you this, Zach. 
Gabe Osaboyan got the three-point play and then com- completed it with the free throw. Four for four from the line? What is yeah. that? Yeah. And you know what's crazy is even if Gabe goes his, you know, his one for four from the line, you still would have went 18 to 22 from the free throw line. Mm. I mean, incredible job last night with that. And also one other thing to Zach to point on, and then I want to let CJ kind of take what you said and run with it here for a minute. But, you know, you're right about Bridges last year kind of blossoming as the season went and got into conference play. Also due, due to he or shall not be named, um, you know, leaving the squad, he had to emerge. Mr. 30 and 15. You know what? That was versus <laughs> Vanderbilt and Georgia, so that doesn't even really count, does it? Do they even really have basketball teams anymore? That's Jerry Stackhouse. Well, hey, I mean, Jerry Stackhouse would much rather be coaching the Carolina Blue than at Vandy, I can tell you that. That's Tom Crean. I mean, Tom Crean. Tom Crean's been terrible. They got beat by Gardner Webb this year. Ask Anthony Edwards. <laughs> I mean, and, I don't know. And they and they did nothing with him. So yeah, Georgia basketball is a joke. At least Vanderbilt had Kevin Stallings back in the day, the father of the catcher, uh, you know, former Bucko catcher Jacob Stallings. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, buddy, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, now he's a Florida Marlin, unfortunately. But we'll get off of that. Um, but, man, I mean, they had a good program with him, and I love that gym. But let's be real. Neither one of those are great schools. Off the Oscar talk, CJ, take it away, buddy. Yeah, well, I mean, Georgia was more concerned about what was going on Monday night in uh, Indianapolis anyway. But yeah, Hunk it down, you hairy dogs. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Jalen, you're starting to kind of see it, and it's a good thing. Um, you know, it's still obvious, you know, Taz is coming, working his way back off the COVID thing. Um kind of two games in a row he you look like he's still trying to get his legs underneath him which is expected um you know but they really need that other somebody else to step up you know to for Taz take some of the pressure off Taz and off Sean I mean he goes off for 26 against K-State needed every one of them and there's something about like when Sean gets that red white hot where he just literally it hits his hands and you know it's going up. I mean, he shot one. I mean, it might as well have been from wheeling. And as soon as it left his hands, you knew it was going down. Like, it was unreal. And so to see that kind of happen and then to see, you know, Gabe give you some offensively, which is phenomenal. What I find awesome about Gabe is he takes a charge and the building goes crazy. Like, it finds a way to energize the crowd, this team. Gabe does all the little things. Um, and uh, Mike Boynton, the coach of Oklahoma State, after the game said, you know, everybody needs guys like Gabe Osaboyan. Like, he does all the dirty crap. Half of it doesn't show up in a box score. But he's that guy who just rallies everything else. Um, and, Blaine, you and I had sort of talked about this this team's identity has become on the defensive end, which isn't a shock under Huggins, but you literally, like they make teams fight and scrap for everything in the world that they get. And I, and this team's going to have to kind of win that way, which is fine. But we kept talking about what's this, you know, what's this team's identity going to be? Well, I think it's what it's always been under hugs and that's, we're going to work you to death on, the defensive end, yeah, offensively at times we're not going to look pretty, but at the same time, 
I don't see this team really getting blown out of a whole lot of games. Maybe Kansas just because it's Kansas, who knows. But I love what this team does defensively. They scrap and they fight and they claw, and they're just not ever going to go away. Yeah, ACJ, I mean, to the point that you brought up, right, about the identity of this team, I think the only thing that's changed in this program, you know, is now we do have the ability to have some guys like McNeil and Taz that can go off and get white hot and we can score a little bit, but it is still going to be, as it always has been under hugs, defense. Now, this year we don't have the rebounding element of it, but I'll tell you one thing. I know, Zach, this is something that you kind of brought up early in the year that you were really concerned about was the rebounding. In your opinion right now, where do you think we're at rebounding-wise? I feel like we continually hold our own now on the glass, but, you know, I know we want to continue to get better, but I've been rather rather pleased with it, quite honestly. It's been fun. I would say it's been fun. I'm not overly – I'm not overly aware of it being too terrible or too great. I think I'll, I'll say it that way. Like, it doesn't stand out either way when I watch a game. Like, I'll, not, I'll it's not like Oakland anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of I'm kind of glad when I see Bridges snare a few like we really have to have him. We need him in a lot of ways. He's really our X factor, I think. Besides the you know the guys you regularly rely on <laughs> on both ends, but he's he's got to crash the glass a lot. We've got to get rebounding from our guards. But you know, Gabe's been really good on the glass for the most part. He's a more undersized big guy, but he obviously scraps. I don't think anybody question that. But the trio of I guess what quadrangle of him Cottrell, kerrigan and polycap they've done pretty well i'd love to see more from Cottrell though i think he's the guy who really needs to step up on that in that department hey hey zach one of that point talking about Cottrell, i feel like we're starting to see him look floor mm-hmm. some of the shots aren't falling but he at least seems to be more in a rhythm and in a flow i mean in, yesterday to start the game we got him two open get to start the game both of them were just a little off I mean the one hit the front rim the other kind of went in and went out but after that didn't play very much I think that was due to the matchup um and them kind of being more small and Gabe playing as well as he did and so obviously Gabe and Bridges you know if you're gonna have two forwards out on the floor those are the two you're gonna go with at this point in time but man kind of kind of harp on that a little bit there real quick yeah, I noticed the same thing. He got going a little bit against K-State as well. He he got some of those same looks. Again, he missed quite a few of them, but they were looks that were, you know, kind of going in and out. They were they were looks you're comfortable with him taking, and you're glad uh-huh. to see him getting into a rhythm a little bit and wanting to take those. Like, that's what you want to see out of him. And they're, they're kind of coming in and out like you see him doing the past couple games. He's right on the fringe of starting to make more of those than not, I think. So I think you're going to see him continue to be comfortable and continue to take those shots and get those looks. But you're going to see start you're going to start seeing more of those go down. I think truly. I, I, you know, Zach, I think you're absolutely right about more of them going down with Cottrell. But you know what else I've been impressed with, and what I thought I saw a little bit more of, especially in the K State game, was that defensive effort there from Cottrell took a charge was in uh-huh. there and blocked a couple shots. Seems like he's really starting to find himself on that end as well, which is, I think, where he's going to continue to get minutes, right? Because if he's not playing on that end of the floor, well, then you got to have Gabe out there and, and Kerrigan and Polycap. But 
seeing more Cottrell of late has been good because obviously he has the highest ceiling offensively for this team. And I think you're right, Jack. I think we do see a uh, an opportunity for him in the next couple of weeks to maybe go off and give you a big game offensively, which could really be crucial to us winning one of these big games here in the next three or four games. Maybe as soon as Saturday uh, in the fog. You never know. So let, let's play a little game here, fellas. Talking about Cottrell one Saturday. Over under six and a half points for Cottrell. Six and a half. Over. Yeah, I'm going to take the over. Okay. I have no reasoning behind it. <laughs> Gut feel. Hey, that's all you got to have, though, right? That's all I did little... in the college football pick'em this year, huh? Turned out Man. okay. Yeah, and you know what? A little disappointed how the bowl thing worked out here, but that's well, me that's going me there. winning the whole thing. Is that what you're disappointed about? What the the bowl thing? You weren't involved in the pick'em that CJ uh, established, but I know me, it CJ was... and one other. I came in first. I'm just saying <laughs> it, it was it was a little disjointed. Um, but was... I am getting the bottle of Woodford courtesy of that, though. Courtesy Thank of what? You oh, here we go. The pick'em? No. Mr. I'll take Michigan, you can have the field. Oh yeah. Almost <laughs> tough. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll, we'll we'll give you that. We'll give you that. And you know what? You were right. Honestly, I hate to say this, CJ, because when I was watching that game on New Year's Eve, as it like got out of hand early, I'm like, damn it. He was spot <laughs> on. He was spot on about that game. But um, let's let's get off of that back to basketball. I, something else that somebody brought up earlier, and I think it was you, CJ, talking about Sean getting white hot and Taz getting white hot. I, I don't know necessarily, and I kind of want to hit what, hear what Zach has to say on this uh, as well, but I don't view Taz so much as a shooter as I do a scorer. Agreed. He has the ability where the ball, it looks pure off his hand. But, like, I don't ever get that same feeling with him like I do with Sean, where, like, if Sean shoots it from the panhandle on the court, I think it's going to go in sometimes. Taz, I don't get that feel, but Taz always seems to take the right shot at the right time, and he just purely scores the basketball, finds a way to make it happen virtually every night if he needs to. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think Sean's probably, you know, the true definition of a shooter, you know, kind of a, you know, a guy who, I mean, and he's even shown now over the last two years, a guy who can, you know, off the dribble, he's not just a, you know, catch spot shooter. Um, but he can get it off the dribble a little bit. But, no, Taz is definitely probably more of a true scorer, can get to the rim, can create his own space. Um, And you kind of saw his ability to create last night at times, you know, what he ended up with, five, six assists, um, which is just another part of his game. I think that's something that's really going to be there, especially as the year goes on and teams start to really kind of corral him as he gets kind of into the middle you into the paint, those are going to be opportunities for him. But no, <clears throat> I'd agree with you. I don't think Taz, Taz's version of white hot's going to not, it, it's not going to be the same, which is actually really complimentary where his is, you know, he's going to be able to create space and create his own look. And in doing so, he's going to help guys like Sean and Jalen and Isaiah kind of get to their spots on the floor and get them in places they're comfortable scoring. <laughs> Absolutely, CJ. And I just looked at something on the BOP score. If I'd have told you that Jalen Bridges and Keedy Johnson would outscore Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil, 
you just said there was no way, not a snowball's chance that we were winning that basketball game last night, correct? I disagree. I say we <laughs> damn sure better win that basketball game because you would expect, you know, at least 20 or 25 combined from Sean or Taz, even on an off night. Like, you've got to have that, and you expect that. So if you're getting more than that from Jalen and Keedy in some combination, I'm like, okay, then we must have really done well offensively then. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to lean with Zach on that one. The only my only concern there would be is is okay, did they was it foul trouble? Did they scheme guys out? How many shots does it take? But no, I mean if, I think if you're getting that combination that's equal or maybe you know, it's in that ballpark there with Sean and Taz. You're going to feel really good at the end of the day about that. Now, I hey. think if you told me that Gabe and Sean scored the same amount of points, I'd probably be a little concerned. <laughs> yeah, no, that might be true. And I mean, Gabe, Gabe and Sean did, and then to, to then to hear that Taz only outscored him by one. Eh. Yeah, you tell me that, I'd be a little be a little concerned. Yeah, I mean. I guys, I think that's the beauty of this team, right? Though, is the fact that even in a night like that, we still played amazing defense. And you know, Spatola, uh, the, the color color commentator um, from Army, just continually kept talking, you know, about how wow, this defense, this defense, this defense, and you could just see it coming during the game. And think about this real quick too: a lot of that team, Ice Likely, and uh, and Avery Anderson were the guys that torched us at the end of last season. The total kind of transformation of what this team's attitude is and kind of DNA as compared to what we were last year. Uh, it's it's night and day different. And um, while last year was exciting and it was great, I, West Virginia basketball is what we were what we witnessed last night, right? I mean, would I take Deuce back in an absolute heartbeat? But the, the DNA of this team. I really like it as compared to last year, I think. Tell me tell me what you guys think on that. Do, do you feel the same way? I texted you guys last night and said that I love this team, just watching the way they play and when they've actually got some offense going. Like if we if we can score in the 70s, we're we're going to be solid cuz our defense is going to hold. Like Oklahoma State should have even gotten close to 60, but it kind of got a little loose there at the end. Yeah. So definitely. it it should have finished you know, closer to a twenty-point win than it did a ten, so that's definitely misleading. But I love, yeah. I love the makeup of this team. I think they are getting better and should only continue to get better if they stay healthy. So, you know, you talk about Deuce. Obviously, you'd love to have a guy stick around that's scoring almost forty in the G League right now. Like, good <laughs> God, kids going nuts. But I really love what we have here, and they are making strides. Their defense is you know, continuously there. Like, you can pretty much rely on that all the time. And their offense keeps getting better. So, I'm, I'm glad to see all that. I think I think they're they're going to be a solid team. You know, definitely upper half of the conference, which is damn good year in, year out. Yeah, if, I mean, if you're upper half of this league, I mean, you might as well pencil yourself in for at least the four line come March. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I love this team you know, what they give you defensively and, and what they could be. The, the crazy thing is, is look back, we've been in the big 12 now, what, 10 years? Is it a little over 10, maybe almost 10? Yeah. And 
this week basketball wise was a kind of a lot like it was in football, right? Big offenses up and down the floor, get buckets. Now there's not a team in the league that doesn't guard. I think like the team giving up the most points in, in the conference is what, like 68 a game. Like that's crazy to think you're dead last in the conference in points allowed and you're still under 70. Like this deep, this conference now is defense. Like that's where a lot of the teams hang their hat. And it's kind of been cool to watch that transformation, but that also then as a West Virginia fan goes, okay, if we can do that and find ways to manufacture points when we need them, you know, stay out of those long scoring droughts that this, that we've come accustomed to, unfortunately, you know, stay out of prolonged ones there. You got to feel really good about where you are, not only as a program, but where you are in this conference and then where you end up actually being nationally, which is, you know, where obviously the strides are because everybody wants to cut down the nets at the end of March, beginning of April. So my, my only real concern with this team is can they find ways to manufacture the points when they need them? 21 to 22 from the line is fantastic. That's great. Would love to see that every game, but we know historically with this team, that's that might end up being a little bit of an anomaly. Well, CJ, I'm, I'm going to tell you this though, real quick. I don't think it's as much of an anomaly as you think. You just have to have the right guys shooting free throws, right? I mean, let's be quite honest. Well, yeah, I mean, you're going to come, you know, as, as the, the betting term is the regression back to the mean, you're going to get your better guys at the line. Obviously, you know, Taz and Sean, I mean, those guys are going to be 80, 90%. You can pretty much bank on that. I think Bridges uh, as well. And I think yeah. that's the key is Bridges continuing to get to the line the way he has He's got here to be of late. Yeah. And He's got to be aggressive. Like it's happening He's, again. Yeah. And, he, and he's got to make them, like you said, you know, Gabe going four for four. That's that, that's gravy. Good Lord. Um, you know, but I mean, and then obviously, you know, um, you know, Keenan Johnson's not going to be a 60% shooter. Like you can see his confidence starting to come, which I think is, is a big help. It's just, sometimes I think offensively they get a little bogged down and end up having to take, you know, just not real good looks. You know, CJ, great point because it kind of does bring up the one little part of the game last night that was kind of nerve wracking there a little bit when we were getting when Oklahoma state kind of cut it down to about seven points when old ice likely as the announcer likes to say, um, was kind of taking the ball at us in the, you know, the cup a little bit and was, and they got that one ball where it literally squirted around about 17 dudes had their hand on it. And then finally he picked it up right there top of, you know, the charge circle area there and, and, and laid it up for two. And we went to the TV timeout and we were, we were only up, I believe seven points at the time, right? Because of that sequence before that, taking a lot of rush shots, having some turnovers, we were up like 13 and we let them kind of cut it down on us a little bit. And then we came back out of the, the timeout, made a couple buckets. Bridges kind of had a couple of nice plays and we got ourselves back together. But that does happen a little bit too often still for this team. But one good thing is the spurts that it is happening now is decreasing. It is shrinking. Um, the UAB game that happened a ton, right? Still found a way to win that game, amazingly enough. But it's not happening as often as it, as it has. Although then again, you could say it just happened three games ago against Texas. I think that game needs to be kind of struck from the record. Agreed. I think you, yeah. I mean, you can't you take a lot from, from this. Yeah. You can't take a lot from that game. They knew it. You know, all the fans at home knew it. That's one that you take 
two of your best players, two of your you know cornerstone pieces, and take them away. I mean, what are you supposed to do against a team who's absolutely for- formidable? Like you obviously aren't a huge Longhorn fan this year, at least at this point. But you know, it's a tough team regardless. So you take those guys away, and it's going to be a, a tough day at the office. And they fought. I mean, they fought, and they didn't lay down. So I'll give them that. But you talk about the you know the scoring droughts that happen, which is a you know, kind of vintage Huggins offense, I guess, at least since he's been at West Virginia. Um, you, it is, I would agree, decreasing. You know, those those droughts are decreasing. But to your point about, you know, how we kind of, you know, righted the ship out of that timeout, that was nice to see. You know, Ice likely kind of took over the game, which one quick funny thing about that, my wife was in and out of the room whenever we were watching the game, and they – mentioned his name during that run actually and she said he's still there yeah <laughs> you're right. damn right he's still freaking yeah. there dude Zach, i gotta tell you what as he was doing that i'm like man like is he finally gone next year maybe like dude hopefully he's getting wrinkles dude for real though right i'm like geriatric patient over here he's a west virginia killer man he's been on he's us every oldest, year he's got to be the oldest player in the league <laughs> I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, hey. he's, he's this year's Perry Ellis. I was getting ready to say he's approaching Perry Ellis status with much better hair, though. He's got any hair is better than no hair. Yeah, no, that's true. Perry Ellis was was losing it. I think when he was a freshman. But <laughs> but, but the thing is, you know, they they came out of that timeout and they took the lead back, extended it back out to I think sixteen after mm-hmm. Oklahoma State closed the gap, and that was nice. Like they they got regrouped, they settled down. And they took the lead back to where they had it, and they never looked back. You know, obviously until they kind of faded a little at the end, but that's you know neither here nor there. So I was glad to see that; it was really good. And Sean was huge in that. He was he was getting hot, and he loved to see it. I also thought Sean was very good in terms of the loose balls last night. Um, not something you typically see out of him, but I saw a lot of effort out of him last night. Oh yeah, he gets after it, man. I'm. I'm impressed with the defense that he puts out there. I mean, he really gives it his effort. Every closeout is a hard one. Yep. He he never lacks effort. I love it. Well, and you know, it's it's funny, Zach, because I feel like even last year at times, maybe you could say he was a liability defensively, or not, or maybe a slightly below average defender, right? And mm-hmm. this year, I would say he's probably a plus defender. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I definitely don't think he's a liability at all. You know, he's not. Keaty level, but he's also not Richard Romeo. No offense to Richard. Oh, the old pit guy there. Sheesh. Richard, are we talking about? Hold on. Richard Romeo. Who are we talking Yeah, about? I just threw out a old West Virginia. Oh, you're right. You're right. I don't know why I wanted to go. There was a Romeo that played at Pitt, though, correct? As well? No, that's Ramon. Is that who oh, you're thinking of? Ronald yeah, Ramon. Ramon yeah. the, uh... Ronald Ramon. I don't know why you had to go there, Blaine. I'm trying yeah. to throw a ricochet shot at. One of our own, and you just decided to bring Ronald Ramon in here? Dude. Get out of here. Well, Whoa. you know, there's I a reason why PTSD you remember Ronald Ramon. I know, buddy. That, but that's why I think I, it came to my mind. I don't know. That one I thought hurts. I thought that's why you brought it up, man. You know? I, mean, I guess he was an ass defender, too, but that's not Sean. So we're, <laughs> we're back on Sean. <laughs> right. Let's get, let's, get back, let's get back to your boy McNeil, man. And, hot and boy. The hot boy, like, like you said. And, dude. I mean, his effort against K-State was phenomenal. 
you saw last night he made a couple of big shots and clutch times. And really that run there in the first half when Gabe was making making plays, Sean was making shots, you had Taz making a few. It's like, you know what? That is what I love to see. And then also when Keedy Johnson came back in the game after the, the injury, it was like, whew, little exhale. Um kind of made you feel good, right? It, it made it, it gave you that energy and that kind of that 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 feel good, that vibe that all right, tonight's gonna be all right. Because man, when he's on the ball defensively, you have Gabe essentially absorbing the middle of the floor and not allowing anybody to do anything. Bridges is playing a lot better. I mean, defensively, like we've said, and we've talked about it, you know, essentially the whole pod at this point, it is elite defensively. Now and I was really impressed with the transition defense last night, too, because you heard Hugs harping about that going into the game. And, man, I don't think they got maybe more than, what, probably 12 fast break points all night. Yeah, and a lot of those were by likely there during that stretch in the second half. But the biggest concern I have with them defensively, and it's really going to be a wart on us Saturday if we let it get out of hand because Kansas can shoot the ball. And as frantic as we play and as much as we have to scramble and recover on defense, you know, because we're just flying around, teams get a lot of open threes. I mean, they, they find the open spots. And a team like Kansas, who can really shoot it at, you know, four of the five spots, they they can expose us. So that, that game's going to be a real litmus, litmus test for us, I think. Like, Iowa State took them to the wire last night. That's in the same, same grouping as Iowa State in the Big 12, I would think. Like, I think we're, you know, at that level. So it's going to be interesting to see what we can do on Saturday in, in the fog. But that's my biggest concern defensively is giving up those open shots when we're just scrambling around trying to recover. Hey, Zach, do you think, though, I know we've talked about this before about the, you know, rotational, rotationally kind of being, you know, a little scrambled at times. But I would say if you look at the numbers, teams do not shoot the three well against us. Um, is there something to that, though? They are just so frazzled and kind of so rushed themselves because of the way we're playing that that causes guys to miss shots. And then also your legs are kind of gone because you've had to work so hard the entire game. I could see that be definitely being a part of the strategy. But you see what Kansas State did in the first half. You know, teams aren't often going to shoot that hot, but that's what can happen with all the open looks that you get when your rotations aren't as crisp as they could be. And, I mean, credit to them. They're flying around. They're trying to make plays. And I love the hustle. But, you know, K-State really showed in that first half what can be done against that zone or against that defense whenever, you know, it's out of position like that. Yeah, exactly. And and I want CJ to hop in here in a second too. But I'll say this about Saturday um, in that game, right? Kansas State makes a few threes early, got got out in front. Then we kind of woke up. And we kind of st- kind of stead the tide a little bit. I don't feel like that was as bad necessarily as what we all kind of made it out to be. They they obviously jumped out early and really got it rolling quick, but we kind of found ourselves before it got totally totally out of hand and continued to fight. I, I'm not saying that we want to make a habit out of that by no means, but it it wasn't it didn't feel as bad rewatching it as it maybe did initially, if that makes any sense. No, it does. I think, and sorry, CJ, I'll let you go after this, but I think one thing that may have gotten them too is 
you know, they know K-State's shorthanded with their coaching staff and their roster and, you know, they probably fell asleep on a little bit to start. Yep. Yeah, it happens. Yep. I mean, it's you see I – mean, If that's you all you such hear a about. a team come in, it's like, eh, we can yeah. probably skate through this one. Exactly. You, you All you hear about in the media is, oh, this team only has seven players and they don't have their head coach. And so you somewhat let down your guard a little bit and mm-hmm. then that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably some of it. Um, <clears throat> but I do do agree with Zach to a point, though. I, I think if if you're not careful, giving up those kind of starts can be disastrous. Um, you know, especially if you do it like on the road at a place like the Fog, um, where that place is already going to be crazy, it, you can end up digging yourself a, a hole way too big to try and come out of. Um, you know, so I definitely think, and I, and I think that's probably something that hugs has really been on this team about, cause this isn't the first time we've seen them come out, not real crisp in the first half, kind of give up some runs. Um, and that's definitely, I think, uh, kind of a, a talking point for this team is staying out of those no effort halves, if you will where they just seem really sluggish and you allow these teams to kind of just get whatever they want early. And, and Hey, CJ, I like the point you brought up there. No effort halves. How many of those do you think we've had this year? All in all. I mean, I would say if you want to go K-State on Saturday, but I think the, the second half of that first half, there was a lot of effort. Youngstown? That's about it in my book that I can think of where we just did not give at least – a effort that I was proud of watching from our, from our team. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. Um, you know, a, a complete half, probably it. And I mean, some of like, like you said, Texas with, with everything that went on, that one really hey, kind of a, struck from the record. We're yeah. not, we're not talking about Texas anymore till they come to Morgantown at the end of February and we kick their ass. Yeah, um, I would say, I mean, you're probably right in that one. Um, Elon, I think a little at the beginning, they we were, you know, weren't real great the first half of that one coming off the big win against Pitt. Um, that's an oxymoron this year, by the way. Yeah, well, but it, it's an emotional win. Right, right. Yeah, it's a big amped up game, and then you roll out there against Elon. I mean, that that was kind of a sleepy spot we all kind of saw coming. But, um, you know, I mean, you're probably right. K-State's the one that really jumps off at you um, simply just because, you know, they walked in the gym. You knew they were extremely shorthanded, and you're at home should be pretty geared up, and you kind of sleepwalk most of the first half. But, you know, there are times I think we – defensively get a little too scramble um and and some of that's really good i mean i love the fact that team defense i mean obviously straight line drives we've had trouble with i mean the rotation on this team is really good sometimes i just think we get caught in that scramble drill a little too often and a little too quick i was gonna let zach hop in there but i'll (laughs) <laughs> I'll roll in. I'll roll in. 
I figured you all were kind of going back and forth on that one. I was going to step aside for a minute. <laughs> well, no, I kind of would like, I mean, Zach, I mean, what, what's your thought on that? I mean, do are you thinking the same thing I am or are you looking at it differently? No, I'd, I'd agree with you. I mean, I think that teams that play defense, so balls to the wall and are, you know, just smashing the accelerator constantly. It's kind of hard to maintain that throughout a game. And uh, I think that they have a tendency to, maybe slow down a little bit at times, but overall I think their effort is pretty consistent and thankfully they have a deep, you know, relatively deep enough bench to cycle guys in and out. But I think the rest of the year, barring injury, like keeping that depth, they should be able to manage the style of play that they are running out there every night. Yeah. Now that you bring up an interesting thought here and, Blaine, you can jump in on this too. We're starting to enter that time of the year where coaches will kind of start really looking at their rotations and you kind of start getting that kind of narrowed down. It doesn't feel like Hugs is going to do that, and I'm not so sure he's got the luxury to be able to do it. And I don't know, CJ. Um, I think I think you're starting to see it pair down some. I think it depends upon the game and the matchup, of course. But, I mean, you look at it, we haven't seen Seth Wilson in a long time. Um, you see Kobe, but you don't see Kobe a ton. Um, but that's what I'm kind of saying. Can can Taz and Sean continue to play 35-plus minutes a night? Uh, yeah, and they will. Yep, sure will. I, I, but, see, I think that's going to be tough as, as you get into late February into March. I think it'd be different if they weren't such elder statesmen. I mean, they're guys who've played a lot of basketball. And, like, you say that maybe a mileage deal, but they're not 35 years old. They're 23 years old. Like, they, they can handle it. And not to mention, if they're not having to deal with such an, a load offensively, like if they're getting some assistance from Jalen, some assistance from Curry and a little from Keedy, even Gabe on certain nights, and they're not having to, you know – score 60 65% of the points they can they can manage but that's going to be the key is keeping their load a little lighter offensively so they're not having to do quite as much and that'll help extend them throughout the rest of the season absolutely Zach I think you're great I think you bring up a great point there and I also think in game CJ and I say this is I say this kind of tongue in cheek it's wild but man that rested hugs does give those two guys always seems to be at the right time and always seems to benefit them coming back from it. I mean, of course, the dude's won 900 and what? Are we at 14 now games? Something like that. But, yeah. yeah. Somewhere in that I mean, yeah, That's he obviously knows, he knows what he's doing, right? Yeah. And I don't necessarily think those guys playing those kind of minutes um, no, is no, really no. a I, negative thing at all, to be honest. No, I, I agree with it. And, and I understand, you know, the, the time the, – it was different when, you know, Staten and them were there. But, I mean, he had come out and said he didn't really, you know, Staten senior year, he was trying to kind of limit the minutes because of everything they were asking them to do. Um, that That's my only concern is, is he's never been a guy that's been real big on doing that. But he does find ways to get him, you know, quick spells. And it does seem like you said to be kind of at the right times and, and getting him in there mix but i mean zach you're right though if they can find ways to take possessions off and kind of not have to carry offensively you know i think that's going to help i just i worry about the the minutes piling up towards the end of the year and maybe 
maybe rearing its head at, at kind of an in a in a inopportune moment. And also, CJ, you were right. You were trying to say inappropriate as well, and I, I was with you on that. Yeah, inappropriate, was, inopportune. But yeah, it, it it's getting laid on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> Moon's getting real high. Hey, man, you give me a high noon any day right now. I'll take one always. All right, that's probably the best seltzer out there. Tastes way better than that TV seltzer bullshit. Everybody else tries to pedal at you. Um, high noon is that what? Uh, is that what Stetson Bennett was? Having a good time on the other night? I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, Stetson Bennett, he might have been. Might have been, Zach. By the way, that Good Morning America interview is one worth watching. If you get a chance, take a peek at it. Uh, I think he quit counting himself decently well, considering all things that were going on during that. Oh, that dude had a great time the night before. And deservedly so. Won a national championship as a walk-on. Um I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I don't think in his wildest dreams when he walked on campus as a, as a red shirt, red shirt, as a walk on there his freshman year at Georgia, he thought he would be the guy uh, winning an Addy for them. But uh, hey. he probably partied harder than, partied harder than probably Joey B did. That'd be, that'd be tough. You know what? That's what I was going to say. No, he wasn't and, drinking seltzers, my friend. No, he was drinking some a little harder. And those cigars, nobody smokes a championship cigar quite like Joe Burrow. Just got to say it right now. True. That's true. It's, I tell you, he would smoke one better than all of them, though. We get Huggy Bear smoking a victory cigar after a big mm. 12 title or, a, or, God forbid, the big one. Um, yeah, I think he would smoke a cigar better than anybody I've ever seen smoke one. Never seen a bear smoke a cigar, but I'm I'm up for it. Smoke, oh, smoke, he would I'm, not be happy. I'm totally game. Hey, so let's let's kind of. I know we've been, you know, we're kind of intertwined a little football in here, anyway, fellas. We're gonna hit on some Mountaineer football too. I do want to talk real quickly though, kind of finish up the basketball thoughts here real quick with looking forward a little bit, and also at the same time thinking about to where we thought we'd be. Um, first things first, we've talked a lot about Saturday in Kansas. The following Tuesday, though, you have a 5 p.m. tip-off with Baylor. Weird. Weird. Kind of love it. Especially if I'd have been up there, still would have loved it. Um, but that one's a huge one, too. And then, obviously, after that, Texas Tech as well. I mean, on the road. I mean, that that's crazy. Do you think we get a win out of that stretch, fellas? Either I one. Like, I feel like I remember us having a similar conversation around this time last year. We had a three-game stretch where we're like, well, if we can win at least one of those three and come out of that unscathed, you know, too bad, like at least compete. Like I feel like we're having that same conversation again. But I, I can see it. I mean, one of those games will be ours. I mean, maybe we get our first one in the fog. It's got to happen eventually, right? I'm – uh, it's got to happen eventually. Hopefully, uh, what CJ said uh, earlier about us kind of starting slow um, doesn't happen in the fog on Saturday because hugs will turn a shade of purple like the Wildcats were Saturday mm. uh, and, and not not the correct gym for him to be turning purple in. Um, but, I mean. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, you know, you, you talk about the three coming up, but, I mean, if you really look at, you know, the rest of, of the month, I mean. you know, even not easy. Tech, you got Oklahoma, then you've got Arkansas there and the part of that SEC Big 12 Challenge, and then at Baylor to finish the month. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it is tough. I, I do think we get one, maybe even two. I would have loved to have had Baylor coming in undefeated, not, you know, already having a loss on the on the schedule and them, you know, being able to kind of rally, if you will. But no, I think we definitely get one. I'm actually gonna go out on a limb and say I don't think hope we get one at the bottom. I'm gonna say we get it Saturday. That's bold. Man, I love it. Um, the statistics the only reason, are against the only reason you, but I'm say with that it. Is, this is not kind of the Kansas we become accustomed yeah. to in the last uh, decade here, man. right? They're not. <laughs> they are tough. They you know, are. But this isn't oh. okay. But think about it. For Wilson last, is playing out of his mind. Yeah, and so this, is Christian Brown too. Co- so correct. Is, but what I'm saying to you is, is when you look at this, Remy thing, Martin, Ajabi. <sighs> CJ, I want to I want to be there with you on it, and, and well, do want to no, hear the rest of this too. But let me say something real quick. Okay, real quick. Kansas is still Kansas, my friend. As much as we all hate it, they're still Kansas. And they're not. I agree. I agree with what you. I, yeah, I mean, but I'll also say this too. I agree with what you're saying, CJ, and in respect that they don't feel that great, but yet they are. It's a weird thing with watching them play. I don't feel like they've really truly figured it out yet. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't think they figured it out. But here's the other thing, too, is is for the better part of a decade, it was Kansas and everybody else in this conference, right? That that tide's kind of shifted. But here's the other thing I look at Kansas, too, and everybody, okay, yeah, they've played really well, and they've had guys that are playing really well. I mean, they've got great players. You know, they're kind of Alabama in football in that regard. You know, always have really good players. But look at their schedule and tell me who they've really played. We're talking Kansas basketball. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Iowa I mean, State is no no slouch. Okay, but let, let's but that's what I'm saying. Out, outside of conference, I mean, they've got a loss to Dayton, who's a good who's a good team. Don't get me wrong, but you look at who they've really matched up with. It it's not like they've beaten the world here. Mm-hmm. They beat Michigan State. They beat the ass off of Missouri for whatever that's worth. Nothing actually. Basically. Might be as might be as I mean see I do get what you're saying here looking at their schedule. It's not been impressive, impressive, but let's be honest about this too. People say the same thing about West Virginia. Right. So correct. Um, and that's and that's fine. And I think that's valid and it and it's well deserved. But my thing is is I'm looking at Kansas, I'm mm-hmm. looking at them ranked ninth, and I'm like, mm, it just they don't quite have that ninth best team in the country feel right if you're ranked nine you're to me in that category of can cut the nets down and i'm not quite sure i'm ready to put them there yet so you're putting them in the right for the pick'em category kinda they just it, like i said this doesn't feel like your typical bill self team now i could be wrong we go and get our doors kicked in on saturday who knows but i just i, I look at the way this league is and where Kansas has been and where they are now, and personally where I'm sitting, in my opinion, they just don't feel kind of like the same Kansas we've come accustomed to going in and playing there at the Fog. I, honestly, I, we've named so many guys between Igbaji, Christian Brown, McCormick, too. Wilson. McCormick is the guy who's going to really determine how that game flows. I could see that one being one where he gets 20 and 12. I mean, that's just how I feel, and that would be a huge, huge difference maker. Hey, Zach, do you think McCormick has that in him, though? He's done Truly. it before. Well, yeah, I know. but he... I'm not saying he's consistently going to give you that, no, but I feel like this is a spot where he definitely could. I just hope we don't, you know, get outshot by 40 at the free throw line again. <laughs> I, 
You know what? The, the tune of 43 to 2, something like that. <laughs> and you talked about me with Ronald Ramon. Okay. Let's, let's... I'm just saying. PTSD uh, is going oh, hard this part. Oh, man. It is, though, dude. Well, it's, I, it's, let's be honest. Well, I mean, the fog has been our house of horror. <laughs> I've got yeah. the title Pod TSD. No, it's been our house of horrors for a long time. Man, that is the name of it. That's for sure. It's PTSD of Mountaineer basketball. And it's always a stress test, like we've said. But, man, that is one thing, though. Um, and, and, and we'll get off here, uh, off the hoops, and kind of talk a little bit of football um, after this little little thing here, though. We'll say this. I know at the beginning of the season, Zach, you were a little less than – uh, well, what's the right word here? I'm not going to say optimistic, but you, you weren't Mr. Sunshine about this team. CJ, very much with them. I was Had just wait and see. That's uh, it. Well, okay, maybe you were more wait and see. CJ was 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 Debbie Downer over there. Um, do you feel like now you feel like this team is where it needs to be, and you feel confident in this team, or is there still that? Is there still some doubt in your mind that this team could make a run come March? I'm still not in the camp of like, hey, this team could be Final Four bound. Like, I don't have the same feeling about this team as I did going last into year. last year. Okay, and that's I fair. mean, obviously that's the fair. tools aren't quite as you know abundant. Yeah, and things are just a little different. Like, this is a different style of ball team, and you know, I don't know exactly where they fit into the landscape right now. I really don't. Like, I still think they're a really good team. I think second weekend of the tournament definitely within reach. Beyond that. I just don't know. It's, exactly. still, it's still early. If you can make it to the second weekend, you can then make it to the third weekend. That is good math. I agree. It's a possibility. <laughs> it's a possibility, right? Um, it is. And now, hey, and agree with what you said about. I felt different about last year's team than this year's right now. The ceiling, right? And I think that's simply because you don't have Deuce McBride this year. That helps. But, oh, you know, definitely, right? But what I what I do think about this team though is that they seem to have that it factor and that grit and that grind and that ability to always win the game that day, right? And I think you've got guys like Akiti Johnson, a Gabe Osaboyan, you know, that are not your headliner, but always kind of make the winning play. And then you get guys to make shots. I'm not saying it's a Final Four team, but I wouldn't be. It would crazier things have happened in college basketball than this West Virginia team making a Final Four. That is true. Yeah, I just don't know about it. I'm not. I'm not sold yet. I'm not saying it can't happen. Like you said, crazier things have happened, but just not there yet. I I, I, I do feel confident in saying this team is a Sweet Sixteen basketball team. Definitely can get on board with that. Yeah, I can definitely get on board with that. I, I the one thing I absolutely love right now is, you know, it's the old adage: have defense will travel. This team, you get them into a tournament type of setting, they can cause some headaches, especially in those second round games. If if you break it, the tournaments out that way, because you don't get a ton of time to prepare. Yep, and they fly around defensively like we've talked about. They wear you out that way. You know, Gabe has this really sick sense about being able to put himself in the right spot to pull the charge. 
you know, it's kind of reminiscent of what, you know, Beetle Bolden was able to do, you know, when he was able to, you know, pick up charges and you're like, wait, where the heck did he come from? So, and I think that helps them as they go. I just, I, I still am a little reserved on really what their ceiling can be until we really get kind of that consistently going on the offensive end with, with Jalen and everybody else to kind of help Taz and them out. Um, you know, what we've seen out of Jalen has been really good since we've entered play, and we just need that to continue. Hey, CJ, I, I think you make a great point there about – especially about the, about Jalen and about how he is the guy that's going to kind of stir the drink this year. Um, but I, I'll say this, fellas, and, 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 and you know, it, it harps on the point that CJ just brought up as well about us being a good second game of the weekend team. That's what beat us last year. So we know how that works in March. As long as you run in, it, you run into teams that – don't see what you do a lot. And I think that's kind of what we are right now with the defensive players that we do have. You don't see that all the time, and especially unless you're in this league right now, the Big 12, you don't see it all that often at all in college basketball. That's huge. One other quick thing, too, before we before we start talking yeah, football and I, and here. I think, and I'll real go, quick, go ahead. I, I think we have – and there's one other thing that Huggins has still in the playbook that can be kind of a closer, and I can really see it, especially as we get – further down the road but that one three one he's got with this team could be really interesting down the stretch he hasn't used it as often as he's as he as i thought he might be inclined to do that's kind of what i'm saying it's still mm kind of there but there's not a bunch of it on film which could make it really interesting as we get later into the year it i mean when, when he pulled it out of his pocket against uconn it was absolutely the perfect defense at the perfect time speaking of uconn Big win for them tonight, by the way, while we're recording the pod versus St. John's, keeping that net ranking a little bit uh, in the upper stratosphere there for the Mountaineers with UConn getting that win. Um, but, man, I, I, I'll tell you this. And, and then, CJ, I, I think you, you know, you kind of you kind of make the point here. And it's and it's it's well kind of, uh, you know, well, well thought out on your part there, sir. But, man. If if you don't think that though this team is is an is kind of in the upper crest of college basketball, then what do you think about the rest of the league, right? Like, or have you not seen enough of us against the rest of the league to feel like okay, we are in that level where we feel like we are among the top teams in the country? Yeah, I kind of want to see us get through this stretch, and that'll give us a real good of evaluation of where this team fits in the landscape, not only the league, but I think nationally too. Because um, this stretch of games is going to give us, I think, a real good litmus test on what this team is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think something we'll start doing here, fellas, as we keep moving forward into the, the hoop season, a little over-under – for the weekend or for the set of games each week. We'll start bringing that out. We already got one here, and that was Cottrell. And, again, you guys are both saying under six and a half point. Or Zach's saying over, right? Yeah, CJ, what would you say again? Under? Over. We both going over. Over. So we're going Cottrell with seven points on Saturday from both of you fellas. Mm-hmm. To have that on the record. Yep. Why not? <laughs> I'm, I'm confidently unconfident. <laughs> Horton, JB, 13. 
under. I think that's a bit of a high line. I like it, but I say under. 13 on the number. Now, he granted, he is averaging 14 in these three Big 12 games for what that's worth. So, maybe the line's right. As I say, yeah, you give me 13, I'll push it. 13 and a half, I'd go under. <laughs> need need the hook there, CJ. I hear you. Yeah, because I think it's I think thirteen's the number. I, okay. I I'd push on thirteen. And then final one here. Gabe Osaboyan charges taken two and a half. Uh, I expected one and a half. I'll go under. Give me the over. One and a half would have been the number. The line. Yeah, that would have been the one to kill me. Well, hey. I think he might be able to get three there on Saturday. Oh, definitely. Hell, hey, he could get six. And well, he's, <laughs> he's done it before. Um, the other thing, though, real quick, too, in, in bringing up Gabe, do you think he fouls too much, Zach? I know Hugs keeps harping on it. And I think his biggest thing, and this is just something I've thought about, and, and, and I think people have obviously brought this up, he gets a little too emotional at times. Man, just let the official call one on you here and there. I think he gets a foul a game based off his reactions with the officials. No joke. I think so, too, and I think oftentimes his reactions to certain situations, you know, unfavorable ones, calls he doesn't like or, you know, something that goes wrong offensively, he uh, he kind of puts his nose in there a little too strong where he shouldn't, and it's – you're just asking to get the call, so. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's I, like I reaction and reputation both, you know. It's reaction yeah. and reputation, yeah. and it seems to get him that one extra one a game that he shouldn't get, but he seems to get. Yeah, but I think I think with a guy like Gabe, it's tough because his whole game is predicated off of what he is emotionally. Um, so I think y- you you want to curtail it a little, um, but you obviously don't want to take it away completely. Um, I think the biggest thing, the reason Hugs harps on the fouls as much is, as we talk about it, you know, the best ability is availability. You don't want him in foul trouble because then that limits his minutes and limits his impact. So. I think, yeah, curtail the emotion a little. You still need that as who he is as a player, and you need him on the floor. So I, I think it's the stupid ones that really get on Huggins' nerves. Yeah. Like the, the stupid fouls where, okay, just live to see another day. Yeah, I don't think there's any any question about that with the hugs. And so, CJ, you brought up the point about getting a little over-emotional. I think that might be the fan base right now when it comes to football. We're yeah, finally yeah. getting there, fellas. Right? You think a little bit. So since we've last talked, a lot has happened. Um Reader's Digest version, obviously. <laughs> Winston right now, Florida State Seminole. Ooh. Uh okay, you went woo there. I'm gonna tell you this much right now, Zach. Disrespectful with the Twitter post, by the way. What was the Twitter post? Hit me with it. He took a picture from him in the student section at WVU and had it Photoshop edited to Florida State stuff. Yep, I noticed bro, that too. Bro, I'm going to tell you this right now. And this is, again, say what you want to say about this, but those any of those kids sending, making posts saying, oh, once, once and always a mountaineer, just leave your shit at the door and – Go ahead and walk on out and go where you're going. Don't do that to the fans. And like you said, CJ, extremely disrespectful posting in the student section with, with Mountaineer gear and then him saying he's a Florida State Seminole. But in general, just leave the social media out of it. We don't need to hear 
that you're grateful that you had this time that man you're all once and always been here no just go ahead and say i'm leaving and i'm going to this school and two or three years down the road if you want to come back and make posts about the school you're at great but when you when you first leave don't be given the the sympathetic oh i will always remember my time here just go ahead and leave i don't need to see your post i'll step down from the soapbox fellas I don't know. I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. I, I do like the fact, you know, the standpoint of, you know, uh, the, the graciousness of it and the thank you. I, the graciousness, I, it's bullshit, CJ. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Might, it's a total lesson. It on might second. be, I'm, but I'm, I mean, at the same time, I, 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 I understand where you're what? coming from, but at the same time, I, what do you want him to do? Post, oh, I'm getting the hell out of here. Screw you all. Y'all exactly. suck. And I'm well, gonna, why don't you just post that I'm leaving? Why don't you just post if, if, they, if Grant Wells is leaving Marshall to go to VT. Post, I'm leaving to go. I'm going to be a Hokie. I mean, just go ahead. Just there's look. Leave they're it. leaving for whatever reasons they have. I get the disdain. I get you know. Obviously, you weren't always a Mountaineer. Whatever. Do we not think that you know they could still have gotten something from their experience, and that's what life is. I mean, well, you absolutely. Your experiences, you take from what you get, and. You can have you know good times along the way. It doesn't mean you're going to stay there forever, but hey, doesn't mean you didn't enjoy your time, right? Maybe not enough to stick around, but in my heart, all these guys, even guys like Oscar, guys that we are, you know, upset about leaving, these are still kids that I'm glad to have had it all. I mean, that's I'm, me personally. <laughs> Obviously, not the way you feel. I'm, that's I'm not. To me, there's hold an on now. Hold on now. It says. Thank you. And here's the thing is, and this is the part that I've been trying to wrap my head around. When you had the grad transfers and they did that, you know, I'm leaving to go here. Thank you for everything. La, la, la. There wasn't this much of an oof about it now because the portal has become what it has. And I understand it, it's out of control, but it just seems like there's more vitriol behind it than there was with the grad transfers. Well, you're exactly right, CJ. I mean, and I don't no think sure that's it. completely fair. Why? Oh, come on. Why is it completely time out now? And I don't mean this in the wrong way. And again, it, we'll, we'll go ahead here and, and say this. Um, I'm with you, Zach. I'm with you, CJ, when, especially on the grad transfer part, CJ, that you brought up. But I'm also with you, Zach. I'm happy that Oscar was a Mountaineer for, for a season and a half. I hate how he left, but I was happy he was there. I'm happy for Winston Wright being there for three years. I know the kids get something out of being there to school and kids leave. But when you leave, just go ahead and leave. Nobody else needs to hear about it. No one needs to, no one needs to, to the, the pity, the pity kind of sympathy, um, Instagram or Twitter post to me is just over the top. Just go ahead and leave. You know what? I, I'm curious though. What what do you take from it? This pity sympathy. I, I mean, I don't well, I don't personally see it that way. So I'm trying to figure well, out see, what you see. I think what I think what I'm seeing is is so. Hey, loved you guys for three years. Loved my time, but now I'm dipping on you. There's no loyalty anymore in college sports, and that's a problem to begin with. Um, I don't disagree, but. In the day, okay, and I guess Zach, I guess what I'm, I guess what you, and you, you bring a point, and it's probably right. In the day and time that we live in now, in the way college sports is, I guess the post is appropriate. Yeah. I just don't like it because of the way college sports used to be. You, you for think us. it seems disingenuous? 
It does seem it, it seems extremely disingenuous. Let's be honest about it. It is disingenuous. And I see I I disagree only because I don't think it's so much these guys not caring about the team, the program, the state, the fans, whatever. I think it's just so much more, you know, player focused now and it's not any one player's fault. Obviously, you've got guys like, you know, I don't even know who to pull off you know, just pull off the cuff, but guys who will stick around their whole career, Stetson Bennett, which even Stetson Bennett, he went to community college. He fell <laughs> down the ranks. Different deal, obviously, because he was falling down the depth chart. He was a walk-on, for goodness sake. But even he left and came back. A different story, I understand. I'm just one of the first names that came to mind. But it's a different era, unfortunately, not one I absolutely love because I prefer the team aspect of things. But these guys are trying to look out for them and theirs, and to a certain degree, I get it. I mean, I'm not going to fault them for it. These are no. 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. I mean, hey, hey, Zach, I think that's the you, – you hit on two points, and then I want to hear CJ kind of talk about this for a quick second as well. But the player-focused and kind of let me get mine – Right, it's how the pros is how the pros are anymore, and that's but what they take. The coaches are at this. That's level the too. problem, though, right there, Zach. That it is. That's how the pros are. I know this is not supposed to be pros. It's supposed to be college. Granted, the amount of money that's involved with TV and you and that's know the factor, right? And 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 that's and that's what's happening now. But you, we need to we need to be able to maintain some of the kind of in, I wouldn't even want to use the word integrity, but. You, and maintain some of the feel, maintain some of the pageantry of what college sports was about because it was about going to school, getting an education, improving player development, growing as a team, kind of like how you, you know, you, you grow in college. That used to be what it was about. It's obviously changed now. Well, but I mean, here's, here's my only issue is, is you're going to tell a player, okay, you're coming here, you can't leave, but Coaches can do it all the time, and that's where now the players have then grasped onto it and gone, okay, well, they can treat it like a big business. The school can treat it like a big business, but we can't. We can't do things for and the us game that, empower, around them. that empower our brand when we're the ones helping generate the money. So right. I can kind of understand that, but I, I want to ask this. You know what, this, want... did one, one quick thing that you, that you brought up about the brand, right? The college brand is still more about the universities the the college towns the coaches than the actual players you okay, remember the that... players and you remember the moments but but the actual branding of it is still university based coach based and one other quick thing you brought it up about coaches leaving versus players leaving right coaches leave and they're getting they are getting paid paid money the players are not and the players are also a part of a fabric and a team typically when a coaching staff leaves coaching staff leaves it's a whole whole other deal and it's a whole you know nine yards change right whereas players leave and and the players can leave within a month or two of a season coaches typically don't do that but that's a part of life man sometimes you lose a boss you know what i mean that is a part of it let me ask you this sometimes bosses lose employees exactly that's a good point too zach here's my thing i I got two things i want you guys to think about one you say it isn't player driven Remember when WV was selling jerseys with a number one on it during Tavon's heyday? 
people weren't buying that because they like the number one. They were buying it because of who was wearing it. So players still massively impact that. But let me ask you, hey CJ, hey CJ, but do you remember exactly? Hey CJ, but do you remember when they used to sell the number one jersey when Jerry Porter was there? I think you do. Yeah, and people bought it because Porter wore the number. That's kind of my no. I think they wear it because they. Want no. to? They dude, I got a I, dude. I got a number twelve jersey, and it's only because of Gino. I got a twenty-two, and it was only because of Avon. Like I'm not. I'm. I'm. Uh, no. But but let me ask you it's this: both. When you talk about kids. It's both. You know, I mean, you still wear that Mountaineer uniform, and when the Mountaineers play, it's not just because of that player. No, but I got the jersey with that specific number, that specific year for a specific player and reason. Like that's what kind of focused in behind it. But let me ask you this: as far as kids transferring. What ha- let let's I'm going to use kind of a somewhat personal one here because you had an issue with with guys leaving and the loyalty thing. Rashad Jennings left after a year, maybe two at Pitt. Was he not loyal? Rashad Jennings. Yep, was at Pitt, I believe, for one or two years, and then transferred out to Liberty. Would you say he wasn't loyal? We all know it wasn't because he couldn't hack it. I mean, the guy was an all-conference player. A uh, long pro career. Yeah. I mean, Sometimes it's not always about that. But let me ask you this, CJ. Did Rashad Jennings have to sit out a year? No, because he transferred down. But what a lot of people don't know is why he did transfer down. Right. I mean, there's probably fam- family. His dad things. was severe diabetic, ended up in a wheelchair, and he moved back to help his family. That's what I'm saying. Now, I'm not saying all they these, used, that they used to have hardships for that, though, too. Remember? Correct. But when you transferred down, it didn't matter the reasoning. Well, they were still one double A when he transferred you know what? down. That's that's also. And I'm I not mean, saying that if you transfer down, all... you do transfer down. That's for playing time for a lot of people. So I get not having to sit out a year. Correct. It's and not I'm like they got, the got case... transferred from Georgia to Alabama or excuse me. From like Georgia to Ohio State, you know? Correct. And I'm not saying that's always the case, but. Not every transfer is the same. Some kids are you, – you've got some that are just like, you know what, I, I want to go play. We'll, and we'll probably bring this kid's name up at some point, but let's go ahead and do it now. Jackson Darts transferring out of USC, and it's simply because he understands who's coming. I mean, let's be real. Caleb Williams is going to be a Trojan. And real, real quick, too, to make a point, kind of piggybacking on what you just brought up. Blaine, you made a mention about, you know, coaches leaving for – different salaries and you know players it isn't quite the same whenever they go from one school to another you can be damn sure that Caleb Williams and the money he's going to get when he goes to LA and plays at USC inevitably is going to be different than what he'd make in Norman I don't I don't care what you say it will oh, be he, he he's going to his opportunity much more you know insane that, absolutely but you know what and, and I'll say this Zach well, off that off that point and, and really I, I agree with you um I want him to be able to make money. I don't think there's any question about that. I just don't like – I I do not like being able to just leave and making college football essentially a free agency market. I agree. There needs to be some kind of structure that's different than what we have now. I don't disagree with you and your gripes about the current transfer situation. I don't. Well, it, it's like what Hug said about the redshirt, right? Why would I redshirt a kid anymore? Right. Zero point. Zero point. And go ahead, Zach. No, you're fine. I mean, I, I agree with you wanting to see change in that because it is – it's like the Wild West. When it first was proposed, he said it was going to be the Wild West, and that's what you're seeing. 
every year in and year out, it's harder and harder for these coaches to have to recruit because you don't know what your roster is going to be even into the summer. It's nuts. And, you know, some coaches can't even bear to handle that at Coach K, at Roy Williams. <laughs> well, no, and, and, I, and I think you're right, too. But and I think we – and unfortunately, you're going to have to – as sports fans and as college fans – is start looking at it, not at the prism of maybe the pros, but corporate structure in and of a whole, you can go work at a company, be there a year and have a friend or a headhunter or somebody knock on your door and say, Hey, I know someplace you can work, do the same thing you're doing and make more money. Are you will, are you disloyal to your current company? If you take that job? No, hell no. You're advancing yourself. It is a little different, though, only because of the team concept. Obviously, a workplace, they try to – But there's still a team concept in in the corporate structure. I understand that. I understand that. It's not the same, though. It's not the exact same because it's it's not one team like it is in sports. Correct. It's not the exact same. It's not an apples and apples comparison. (sighs) But that's almost the prism, I think, at this point, we're going to have to start looking at it. Hey, CJ, and – and, and to, to your point, and I, I get looking at the prism sort of that respect. Question is, when it comes to loyalty in a workplace, I think you're, if your situation is the juice worth the squeeze, I think, right? It always comes down to that. It comes down to work-life balance. It comes down to is, is the money that much greater that I'm going to now go and take this job, right? I think, yeah, I don't think you just leave – because there's an opportunity to make a little bit more money. I think it needs to be, if you know you're in a good opportunity yep. and in a good place, you need to make sure that that place that you know for damn sure that that extra place is worth the squeeze. Like, you know, if, for example, Correct. if, but now if, are we saying that these kids aren't smart enough to do that? They're that, kids. That's, that's the only, that's, that's the they razor's are. edge we got to walk with it. They are always. You, uh, how many yeah. of these kids do you think have gone to these situations right. that they think are going to be better off and they are not? Let's That's talk about Drayshawn Miller, Tyke Smith. Well, well Tyke mean, at least has a ring. Yeah, as we yeah say, good for him, right? Yeah, but he yeah, didn't Ty- play Ty- at all. Tyke really. got a ring and still on the roster. So, I mean. Hey, he's like Ed Monix from Semi-Pro. Ed Monix didn't earn his ring with the Celtics, all right? But he's still got a ring. <laughs> Jackie, Jackie Moon, ring and it says Jackie Moon bringing it in, man. Love it. But, I mean, here, here's my thing, and this is coming from me, is, is for me, corporate um, loyalty, I've been burned by it. I've stayed at a couple mm-hmm. of places that I probably shouldn't have because I was loyal and all it did was cost me in the end. So now as I have gotten older and have, you know, kind of pushed myself out of my comfort zone and done some different things now, you know, if, if something, an opportunity presents itself and all things are equal, money's a little better and I can see something better out of it. Yeah. I'm going to make the jump. If it fails. Okay. I'll turn around and say, okay, probably not the best move, but at the same time, I, I kind of can respect somebody willing to take a risk on themselves and bet on themselves. You know, that's believe in yourself. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. But you know, some of the times it does. And if and if somebody's willing to bet on themselves a little on that, I can get behind that. Like I said, it doesn't always work. I don't love this aspect in college football, but it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And, and so, Blaine, be- real quick before you jump in, I have to hit a point here. So you say you make this comparison and draw the parallels to career and workplace and all that kind of stuff, all those dynamics. You're you're kind of missing one key detail here, and that's timing. You have your whole life 
for your career to pan out one way or the other. These kids have a very small window and very small amounts of time and opportunities to try and make their career and their future what they want it to be. And like I said, for a lot of these kids, it doesn't work out, and that's sad. It's unfortunate that they think the grass is greener on the other side, and it ends up not being. Obviously, for some kids, it does work out. But that's the thing. It's not, it's not just a guarantee that if you leave, you're going to have a better situation, and you don't have a whole lot of time to deal with that. So that's a decision these kids are going to have to make. But therein lies the problem, too, because, you know, it's just too crazy. It's too much, you know, moving around. I mean, you have what? How many how many kids are in the portal right now? Over a thousand, right? Yes, over a thousand. That's nuts. Like, how do you process that? You can have as many analysts and as many, you know, people who are strictly focused in your program on the transfer portal like you are high school recruiting. It's a lot. No, it is. And it, and it is absolutely is a ton. And I'm with, and I do agree with you. Timing is, and the NCAA is going to have to do something kind of like they did with, you know, high school basketball players, right? A lot of guys that just didn't flat out make it when they transfer, when they entered the NBA draft out of high school, right? Not mm-hmm. everybody was Dwight Howard, Kobe, KG. We had a bunch of failures in there. Way more failures than success stories. So my question is, is if you're the NCAA, what do you do? <sighs> you if, don't if, you if don't you, you don't charge, you don't exist anymore you take the NCAA out of the equation and the schools manage things the way they want to as a collective entity the NCAA is useless <sighs> let, let me let me the only problem with that is though is you you have to have some uniform body maybe the conferences govern themselves and, and they have some sort of alliance you, but even then you lose you know yeah, Equal, but how does, like equality across the landscape? I mean, you're well, losing that if they govern themselves. Yeah, there's not it, there's guys that have been working at this for decades who are trying to figure out a better way. I don't I, know if we're going to figure it out on this podcast. Yeah, because I doubt it. I doubt it. He's heck. You know what's a good point though? Is that point exactly that you brought up? Guys have been trying forever, and they kind of govern themselves anyway. Now, let's be honest. About it. And that's kind of why it is the way it is. And yeah, even because, with the NIL situation, it's state by state, which makes yep. a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Correct. And because here's the thing is if you let the conferences do it, remember when Austin Kendall tried to transfer out of Oklahoma to West Virginia and they tried to fight it like hell, he shouldn't be eligible. Here's, yeah. here, here's kind of an interesting concept I've thought about. And I, Blaine, I, you and I, I think, have, have talked about this a little bit. But if, if a kid wants to transfer, fine. I got no issues with a kid transferring being immediately eligible. However, here's what I'd like to see change. You get one free one. If you enter again, say, Drayshawn Miller, you got to sit. I could live with that. It Sean may Ryan. curtail Ryan. a little bit of it. It's not going to curtail it a ton, but I think it might help it a little. Oh, it would definitely help it a ton. Because now people can leave every year if they want to. I mean... What's no one has any loyalty anymore to a scholarship at all? It's actually worse than the pros because at least in the pros they have contracts. I mean, Williams would have signed a deal with Oklahoma, right? Caleb Williams then had him under contract for three years, making money. Like it's 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 a totally different deal even than that. I mean, Charlie Batch offered him a million dollars to play at Eastern Michigan for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, you that. know what I mean, like. That so, used to be a violation. Do those just not exist anymore? Uh, they they don't. They, okay. they don't. I mean, yeah, Will Wade's coaching LSU, and 
Bill Self has still got a Chester cat grin over there with no vacated championships at all. So, I mean, no yeah. violations don't exist. That Unless you're like North Carolina State and they want to make, make themselves look like they're important. Or Oklahoma State on a self-reported violation. That's wild because you think about last night, big win for us in basketball, and it didn't even really matter because they're not even eligible. Like, Which is complete crap. But Yeah. Hey, you know, back to the portal guys here real quick and what we were talking about. The only part about this, CJ, to me is just so wrong, right? Is like the West Virginia fans, let's just say Jackson Dart, who we've mentioned before, the, the young man from USC, now that Harold's here. We'll He's get probably into going that to too. BYU, though. Um, well, anyway, if he does or doesn't, like let's say he would come to Morgantown and then this love affair that we got with Nico now for the last two years that some Mountaineer fans have, you know, we're all ready for. He's like, yeah. oh, guys, I'm peacing out. And that's just like, what? That's not, that's not what we want college football to be, guys. Nope. Embrace the competition and play. But I, I like the one freebie. Um, and then you'd have to sit. You better have a good reason well, if not. Well, well, here's my only issue with, with, and I agree with you, Zach, on the competition thing. But what happens? If, let's say Jackson Dart stays. You know, Caleb Williams is coming. That's Lincoln's boy. You're not going to get a fair competition there to try and beat him out. Oh, I'm fine with that. I don't necessarily have an issue with him going, no, I, I want to go somewhere and play. So I, I'm with you, embrace the competition, but at the same time, I, I can respect a kid who can be self-aware and go, man, that that that's the new coach's boy. I got no shot in hell at even getting a fair competition. I'm going to go somewhere I can at least get that. Well, yeah. I you mean, know you're, what? You're dealing Why with that not? aspect, and you're dealing with a guy who's going to be the number one overall pick in two years. I mean, you got to know – you got to have that awareness. Right. You're hey, right. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and say this. I think you can make an amendment to the rule – or not an amendment, but just a, just a straight-up fact – coaching changes players can transfer mm-hmm. i think that's yeah. fair i think that's fair yeah because that's not who you signed up to yep. you know be with in the program yep i think that's fair you can have a free coaching a free transfer off of off of a coaching change because they might as well have it now in the portal but otherwise okay, but what do we you probably need to hang around with where you're at. i was about to ask the same question cj well say that again what are we calling a coaching change? Are we talking just head coach, OC, position coach? Right, because you've got these coordinators and position coaches that are, you know, head recruiters for some of these guys. And, like, that's a lot of times the kind of, you know, staff that attracts these guys to schools. So where's the line? I, I think it needs to be a, a tent, essentially a head, head coaching position because that's when true change happens in the program. True. No, I agree with that. But, I mean, if you look at, you know, I mean, Tyke transferred because Coach Adai went to Georgia. That's who recruited him. He wanted to go with his guy. Uh, that, no. That's the only reason I asked is what are we what are we considering a coaching change? I, I, I think it needs to be a wholesale deal where essentially nobody that you were in the room with is still there. Pretty much. So then what you're saying then is is essentially then Caleb wouldn't be considered even though Venerables is coming in. He kept some of the staff there. Not no, all of it, but he no, did keep some no, of it. No, no, Head coach, head head coach most period. of the staff. So head coach, period, end out, any coordinators, anybody else, tough luck. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, if, if we're going to give him that, if you're going to give that as a part of your one – you don't have to use that as a freebie then at that point in time. Anyway, we're getting way into the weeds here. <laughs> um, 
I no, mean, but I think it's all good so, so, hold on. So, so you're saying, okay, for Graham, Graham Harrell's sake, right? If you're at USC, Graham Harrell just says, nah, I'm, I'm dipping. But you, so now kids that were at USC can transfer to us. You're okay with that. Granted, Lincoln's there anyway. It's a bad example. But like, let's say, okay, defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State leaves to go to Ohio State. You think that kids from Oklahoma State should be able to just willy nilly transfer to Ohio State now because he left? I don't. No, that's think not what so. I'm saying. I was just. I was just. That's trying to exactly get some, what you're saying. Well, no, I was trying to get some clarification on what you were saying because Zach and I are. You know, a lot of the times the head coaches are involved, but they're not the ones that are constantly, you know, touching base with these kids, you, visiting with these kids that are the no, contact. I think, that's that's I, where right. I, that's where I think we wanted trying to figure out where well, we were yeah, just looking for clarification. Line. Yeah, well, I, know, I think it needs to be a head coaching change at a university that allows you to have a freebie. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. No, that's I mean, fair. That's fine. I, but I, I just wanted that clarification on that because of the way the recruiting is done anymore. Hey, CJ, and, and I get you on, on your point that you're bringing up right now, but I, I think in the end, the difference in that, in, in, in your example, is majority of the staff, if a recruiting coordinator leaves or if a coordinator leaves, is still there. So the structure is still there as a program. I think at that point in time, you still signed up to be at that school, that program. Yeah, you signed up for that coach. Maybe it might be a position coach or something, but you may you may go to a job um, and maybe there for the supervisor and then they leave, right? Or something like that. Um, no, I'm no, no, no. You can't, I, I, you, you and, and, and they're just, now if you can go find somewhere else, but that's the problem right now is that in college sports, there's still a team aspect, right? And you have to have that. And that's, no, that's, that's what this thing doesn't have right now, unfortunately. You have to build it every year. Um, no, and I think you're right, and that's and that's fine. And I don't disagree with you. I was just trying to get some clarification on where you were by saying coach. So, But, no, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't have an issue with, with that as, as a, you know, possibility option. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just think that would be the way to go. So speaking of coordinator changes, we were talking about it earlier there. Harold now being the guy on this offense, how do we think that kind of, you know, obviously impacts us? It's going to be huge, but I mean, just I haven't really been able to grasp my head around yet exactly what this change will mean and what will look like because I don't think we technically have the personnel right now to just run that offense that he's ran at USC. Um, and I'm not sure I want to, to that extent, I kind of still, still want to run the football because we've, we've seen how we've done under Neil Brown, we've ran the football well, and that's what we're about. I don't want to go back to Dana and chucking it around all the time and not playing defense and complimentary football. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, totally. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I actually, I love it from the standpoint of now, in that Neil now kind of does the CEO, the head functioning coach thing. Maybe we can get some of these, you know, clock issues worked out. But I, I think for him, it's smart in turn it over. We're going to let two guys handle this. I'm going to handle the program as as the head coach, as the CEO. And I, and I think they're still going to be complimentary because Graham's going to be co-coordinator um, as well. So, I mean, there's going to be, you know, and Neil's probably still going to have a voice in this, but I like, the fact in that Neil's going to go, all right, I'm going to trust these two guys to get this done. 
and I can focus more on what needs to be done, which is handling the overall head coaching day-to-day stuff. All about Neil being the CEO. Yeah, um, and I, and that's I, I love it because it does show some maturity. It's not a hey, you know, we're going to continue to do it my way type of thing. You know, you saw Saban kind of do it in Alabama when he first got there. He was really still kind of calling the defensive plays, then kind of turned it over to Kirby and and did more of the CEO type of things. I I, I do actually kind of really like it. Yeah, I I agree with that entirely. Um. A big fan. I mean, they're obviously paying him like a high end coordinator. He's getting what two and a quarter mil, so he's he's making some money, money. And I think that's you know a high profile profile hire that should bring you know good positive attention to the program. It'll definitely help recruiting, in my opinion, at least as long as we manage to keep him around. Because I mean, he's. He's the kind of guy who's going to be a head coach sooner than later, in my opinion. He's 100% Zach. Hell of a football mind. And I'm excited to have him there. But to your point, as far as like how things are going to be run offensively, at least this year with him, I think he's smart enough to realize based on what we have, it won't be just an aired out Jackson Dart to um, Drake London type situation. But if I'm Nico. I've got to be licking my chops. This dude knows mm-hmm. how to the quarterback. And you see what he did with Dart as a freshman. I mean, who's to say that Nico can't get in there day one, which started this week, and, you know, hit the ground running, and hopefully they can have a marriage that's just beautiful. Hey, Zach, see, let, me, let me tell you one thing that I heard about Nico already. Already conducting and kind of leading this team. I mean, from what I've heard, he's been bred since he was a – a child basically to be a quarterback at a division one program. Like he's just got that kind of, you know, mentality. He's been brought up to have that. So, I mean, that's the after battle right there. You've got to know how to approach it like a business and like you're running it. So if he, if he's got that, he's already ahead of the game. Well, and, and Nico was the first guy I thought about when I saw that hire is that, to me, it just felt like, okay, they're all in on Nico being the guy from day one, but also you're bringing in a guy who's played quarterback at the Division One level to really work with him and continue that, you know, that program that he's been on. I mean, he's had personal quarterback coaches since he was like eight. So, I mean, to me, that was just another hire in that, hey, we're all in on this kid and we're, we're going to give him every resource we can possibly get our hands on. It's exciting. It really is. It really is exciting. Let's ask this one quick question, though. I know we're saying we're kind of saying we're all in on Nico. Is there any any way possible that you are getting somebody in the transfer portal to kind of compete that's already not in the house? I was thinking about this yesterday. Uh, I I think if it is, you want it to be somebody who's an upperclassman or like a grad transfer, somebody who. If Nico really has to have time, like he's just not quite ready to take the reins, you want to have somebody who can come in, grasp things pretty quickly, but not be somebody who he's going to be competing with in the program for years to come. Because I think at the end of the day, you want him to be your guy one way or the other. I mean, you don't want him to have to be competing with Green and Crowder unless they're really deserving and can really stand 
shoulder to shoulder with him because they're his age, essentially. Like, that's going to be something that you don't want to have to deal with, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm with Zach on this. I think you go get somebody <clears throat> that's, you know, upperclassman, you know, senior grad transfer um, to get some experience in that room to really work with these young guys on how to get ready, how to, you know, break down film, those kind of things, because there's a ton of inexperience in that room right now. I mean, Garrett Green's, you know, got, you know, a handful of snaps. Crowder's got like two. Nico's got none at this level. So I think getting a getting somebody in there that's, you know, taking some snaps, taking some meaningful snaps would be really big for that room. So, fellas, is, is it Badgett then? Maybe, but – Maybe, but that's a huge jump from D2 to this level. But I think that's the perfect guy, though, right? He may be more able to get a marshal to replace Wells, in my opinion. That's a really good call, Zach. And I actually think that would be a a smart decision if they could pull it off down there. I think that would be the get. I think that would make more sense than him coming to Morgantown. Just from, you know, obviously he was, what, D2 player of the year. Just to be a backup, potentially. in, In the Big 12, maybe not a guy who's fit to be a starting quarterback. I don't really know much about him. I'm just going based off, you know, the level of play. But you never know. And, I mean, before Daigie decided to transfer, I was happy to have him as a potential bridge. Like, somebody just like him, his his profile with his experience is somebody I would like to have here. Yeah. And, I mean, if Uh, Nico beat him out, perfect. That means he's ready to go. If not, then we have a guy who knows the program, knows the system, and can bridge until Nico's ready. How wild is that, though? It took us, what, three or four topics to get to Daigie. Mm. That's that's how crazy this offseason has been so far. Been insane. Not enough podcasts. Too much news. I know. Too much. <laughs> it took now, a little while to get out here, but we're making up for it, it this one, damn it. I'll tell you that much. It did. And and he's going to be the one, I think, exception, maybe even to your, late, to your um, rule there, Blaine, and – you know, thanking people and, and, you know, ready to move on. I mean, cause you know, Hoppy Kirchival wrote a really interesting article that, you know, Deggie's legacy is going to be very interesting at WVU, the way he's thought of, um, you know, and the, the amount of abuse that guy took, um, undeserved, undeserved. He, but he never let it show. He never, you know, snapped at anybody, from all the reports, he was, you know, a, a team leader, a guy in the locker room they look to. So, you know, wherever he goes, I mean, he's one of those guys that I think you really wish luck to. And to me is one that could use that moniker, once a Mountaineer, always a Mountaineer. Totally. But you know what also, fellas? He was there for, what, three years? And I graduated. That's that's no problem using that the social media post. Like, there are exceptions to, to what I'm – to what I – brought up earlier without doubt but, by the way did did either one of you find it interesting that he didn't thank the fans in his post <laughs> who daggy yeah oh i don't blame him i don't either because it just was an interesting thing i caught and i'm like hmm that's a little pointed but i kind of dig it i mean kind of a scholar howard type deal he got hell he got less love than scholar howard if you can believe it <laughs> wow <laughs> Slightly, slightly differing levels of success with the I'll tell, tell you what, Zach. But still. You love to bring up Skylar Howard. I love Skylar Howard. I, man. Fuck with him, okay? Uh, you know what? Good good for you, buddy. But Is it, he still playing in Canadian football or is he? I thought he was in China. 
I thought he's in China too. Yeah. Dominating. Okay. Let me let me tell you. Player Hold of the year. Do, do you have the numbers over there, buddy? <laughs> I don't. I mean, uh, I no wish less than five thousand yards, forty <laughs> touchdowns. Bryce Young type numbers. You probably got a China Football League Skylar Howard jersey, don't you? Don't judge. Go along. <laughs> DH DH Gate has plenty of selection. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Zach. I think you. I think that goes along with your uh, shocker visor there, buddy. <laughs> I didn't get it for Christmas. Hopefully next uh, year, dude. Hopefully next year, man. I really would rock one of those though, honestly. And I think um, I finally figured out what it's for. I think the way that that shocker is arranged, it's, it's supposed to be U of H. Oh, but well, that's how they make their like sign symbol. It's the kook symbol. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I think the two fingers together is sign language for H. I could be totally wrong, but that's the way I interpret it. I'm like, is that U of H? Makes total sense. We're going to have to get on that and, fig- and figure that out. So, I mean, see, we did see it on. Boy, see if your boy Sean Manning still has Dana's contact info. Maybe he can ask him. Yeah, yeah. Saying, we got to get that figured out. You know, Houston's about to join the conference and all. Yeah, we got to have some insight. That is that is true about the shock revisors in particular. Really, definitely. I don't really care about anything else to go with Houston, but just just tell me about the shock advisor. Um, So, I mean, we've hit on Daggy. I mean, I think me and Zach seem to be a little bit, I'm a little saddened by it, honestly. You know what? Good for him that he graduated. He wants to go try and ball out for a year somewhere. Didn't want to have Nico standing over his shoulder all the time. One One quick thing about him. Let me get a guess from each of you as to where you think he might land. Like, what? level of program you think will take him. I mean, second leading passer in the Big 12, that's not nothing. Somebody's taking him. I mean, what – What? It, at least give me a conference. What conference do you think you'd land in? And if you say it's a power five, like what, what tier of that conference? Like middle tier of the Pac-12 or <clears throat> middle – like lower tier of the Big 10. Like what do you think? Like Northwestern? No, but maybe I could easily see him going to a school like that. Illinois, maybe. Uh, I don't think he's a Big Ten guy, Zach. I think he wants I, to go back I, down to Texas. I'm just thinking, like you know, level of program. I, I think he could end up in probably the AAC. The Cincinnati the quarterback. They've already got some talent there, supposedly. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I don't think hey, I don't see, think they're going for thought. Jared Daigie. Uh Probably not. But you know, like maybe like an SMU, I could see a, I could see, depending on um, maybe like a Sun Belt type of thing, a little yeah. fun belt action there for Jared Daigie. Uh I hope for more for him. But I mean, I, you, but you know what? I I've also heard. Now this is just a kind of a wild out there one, but um, you know. Potentially, maybe goes back home. Back to Bowling Green? No, no, no. Texas, Texas Tech? Tech? Back to Tech. Oh. And, and compete for the job. Um, and potentially maybe get going in coaching. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that too. And I would really, really hate for him to come in and beat us next year. That would suck. Actually, uh, be in Lubbock. It would be in Lubbock. That it would be the – man, could you imagine – how what that does to the legacy of Jared Dickey at that point, man. The tangled sure. webs we weave. Oh, I know. Hey, but you know what it does to the, the legacy of Nico if he goes in there as a true freshman and beats Jared Dickey? Now we're talking. 
Oh yeah, I think that's what we talk about. Um, but so, I mean, anything else though on in the football world we've we've missed here? I mean, it took us that long to get the Daggy transfer. Um, anything else big time we want to hit on before we uh, close up with a little NFL playoff talk here? Can- yeah, I wanted to hit something real quick. We we somewhat talked about it, but not a ton. <clears throat> we talk about the inexperience that's going to be in the quarterback room as it sits right now. What about the inexperience sitting in that wide receiver room? Man, you sent the words right out of my daggone mouth. I don't think it's as bad as you guys are making it out to be. Can I can I read you the names <laughs> that are actually on the roster right now? Okay. Bryce Ford Wheaton. Kate no problem. Brady. Gotcha. Reese Smith. I'm okay with that. Sam James at this moment in time. And you know what? And I'm going to say this. Until you tell me otherwise, he's considered a part of the team in the Mountaineer. I agree, and I think he'd be crazy to leave because he's got hella targets coming his way. One way it should – exactly. It should be this way. It shouldn't be we should be on pins and needles like, oh, he's going to leave. It should be until you say so, I expect you to be there against Pitt in Heinz Field to start off the season next year, Sam James. So that's here's four my, really good receivers right there. Innocent until proven guilty style. Yeah, absolutely. Cor- correct. But here's and my question. Is I don't need a bottom left. ticker telling me somebody's staying at a school. Now, hold on one second. I got one name left. You can't leave them out. Grayson Malashevich. Is there uh, even 100 catches in that room combined? From last year? Yeah. Absolutely. It's not It's not, It's not. not a lot more, but it's... I was going to say, if you put the over under at 100 and a half, I'd have probably taken the under. No, it's, it's over 100. I mean, I'd I say mean, that Bryce and... Sam have close to 100 between them, and then Prather had at least 25. Reese probably had 15. So that's what I'm saying, though, man. That's a lot of guys that you know. I mean, obviously we love we love what you know Prather showed down the stretch, but obviously we're going to get more out of Reese. It's just that to me is that's going to have to find some some playmakers there. But I mean, you lose three guys who are big pieces between. Wright and Ryan and Esdale. I mean, Wright, obviously the biggest, and then the other two, nothing to shake a stick at. And like, obviously, they're replaceable. Reese, who were good to have. Hey, Zach, Reese is not that far off from from getting into the level of uh, Winston Wright as a pure receiver. Oh, in my opinion. In my opinion, Winston Wright never made the play that Aja, other than the returns. Man, how often, how often did how often no timeout now? How often did Winston Wright miss a catch though? Not I mean, as often as I think you are. I, I think I remember the Kansas State game to start off the game when he had one bounce off his shoulder. It was pretty bad. I remember That's against one. Kansas, he dropped a touchdown in the end zone. Winston Wright to me as a receiver wasn't as great as maybe we kind of envision him to be, and those yeah, numbers we're, we're, might we're, make him look like he's decentish. But we're going to talk about drops, man. There, there's plenty to go around in that room. Right. And in that room, well, you're going to go on Sam not James the best room anyway. So it's not like you got an incredible room around him that he leaves. Like he was still one of the best, if not the best you had overall. Uh, I think Wheaton was, but okay. Inconsistent. And they were all well, inconsistent. But I don't think Winston Wright was that consistent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But as far as his flashes, like they were just as flashy as. Bryce, except for the couple ridiculous catches he had this season. Well, and then, yeah, the Iowa State game. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Well, and then well, maybe that's why I'm catch, still so high on Bryce Ford Wheaton. Then. 
as I say, and Bryce had one, was it tech that he caught? It was tech. Yeah. Kind of in the corner on the pylon, but I mean, you know, that, that, that's a room that's going to have to get, you know, really good, really quick. Let me say this. I would rather have Sam James than Winston Wright. If he's there, I'm cool with it. I'm just saying you don't have a lot of guys. You got Bryce and Sam as far as experience is concerned. Prather, I have no doubt, will be very good. Yes, yeah. I think can be good. But that's only four receivers. You have I to imagine, last an entire season. I imagine that we will get a guy in the portal. Um, I would agree. But I how think, many you need? I'd say at least two. Well, I mean, you think a couple of these new guys that are that were brought in during this tra- this recruiting class you are going to be many. pretty good, too. You only have a couple, Jarrell Williams and one other whose name I'm forgetting. That DeCarlo the, the Donaldson is kind of a wide receiver slash tight end. Yeah. They really like him. Um, yeah. Well, and then you, you got know. the tight end transfer from uh, Colorado State that they more of, really – More of a blocking tight end, though. Yeah. But, I mean, he's going to help on that offensive line, which that they're going to need to find somebody there in the portal, too. O-line, I'm not so sure about O-line. I think what we have there is pretty good. We just well, I, I, I meant from a depth perspective. Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely. Let me just let me throw something out. You mentioned offensive line. I just want to say something while it's on my mind. I thought about this with Nico and, you know, what he brings as a lefty. Our gripes about Brandon Yates as the blindside, you know, left tackle are gone. He won't be the guy anymore. It'll be Wyatt Milam on the right side, which I feel a little better about, you know, him protecting Nico's blind side than Yates if he were a righty. Just a, just a little food for thought. A thousand percent better, Zach. Oh, yeah, because Milam's got NFL written all over him. He's going to be a stud. I mean, you still have Frazier, and, you know, hopefully Nestor will, will kind of be more in his in his groove next year. Well, yeah. I think him getting an entire offseason without having that hand busted up will help. Uh, yeah, well, 100%. I really do. I honestly, guys, it's kind of funny. The other day, you look at the schedule and then you hear Graham Harrell, not granted though, Daggy, but man, like, there's a lot of defensive talent still. And I really do like the way the schedule sets up for us. I mean, when Chandler Samito. And Stills both said they were coming back. Mm-hmm. Which, um, by the way, has there been a more happy reversal on I'm done to I'm coming back than Chandler Samito? Well, he was done, done. He yeah. was done going into that Kansas game. He flat out told Greg Hunter in the press conference, this is my last game in Morgantown. Yep. And then he 180 it. Yeah, that, that, now, that's going to be I love scary. Picking off two passes in the end zone will do that for you, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I I love what he said, man. I got unfinished business. Let's go. Well, I mean, I, and, and fellas, I think that's our way to be successful. That that defense could be elite. Should be. I mean, you still have Mesador. You still awesome. You still have. Yeah, exactly. You've got. Lance Dixon running around making plays at the linebacker spot. Get Nick X-ray, back. X-ray Lowe will be back. Nick Troy. Yeah, this defense could be phenomenal. Now, you got play, that. Now, 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 the defensive line is so much better than it's been in years past. You got Sean Martin, the Steernan, yeah. but yeah. Jordan Jefferson. Jordan Jefferson, exactly. Jalen Thornton. Yeah. I mean, the he's got, he's got, he's got some snaps. Yeah. He's been he's been recruiting 
and Lindell Carr at the linebacker spot, yep. you know, who can also play down on, on the line a little and bit. Man, I mean, Alton coming from Cincinnati, the South Charleston. Exactly. Now, granted, you know, let's let's see it, Zekiel. Let's see yeah. what's up. You know, Absolutely. let's let's make it happen. But also, like I said, from their perspective, it's great to have that. I mean, us us having some numbers. But the one thing I think you can trust throughout the three years so far, the Neil Brown era, we're going to play some defense. Mm-hmm. The two we're safety gonna... spots concern me because you're replacing two really big big names. I mean, you've got Hershey McLaurin, the JUCO transfer. He's pretty, pretty high up there in the rankings. Hopefully he'll make a difference. Christian yeah. Stokes, I think, will play safety. He's, I think, the highest rated – recruit we have coming in you know obviously a lot to ask of a true freshman to step into that safety role but you know hopefully he can come out and show and better show than playing corner one. yes for sure <laughs> and also too we've got some really good corners we've got we got some corners charles woods may slide to one of those safeties i mean yes that capability i mean it's you you really look at that defense now and you're like okay and if and if you can kind of play elite defense and you can run the football hopefully and you can allow Nico to kind of also make plays with his feet and just I think we're going to be a team that people are going to sleep on next year and they shouldn't. Yep. I'm I'm hoping you're right. No, I'm completely hoping you're right. So, let me ask you guys this. If you had to pick one now, who's your favorite in the conference? Assuming that Texas and Oklahoma don't buy themselves out. Yes. Well, I mean, they're, the schedule's been released, and they're still in it. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Anything's possible. Yeah, Anything lot. is possible, Zach. Money makes the world wow. go around. Well, Anything okay. is possible. Okay, Zach, Zach's trying to be the senator here. Um. <laughs> I just want I like to be sure. Um, oh, man, that's tough. Off the rip. I don't know, man. Oklahoma it, State. Well, they're losing so much of that senior leadership on defense, are they not? I mean, do they have a lot of those guys coming back for their COVID year, their super senior year, or what? Well, how do we know? We don't know yet. I guess I'm right. assuming they are at this point in time, a lot of Co- them. That COVID year is kind of like, you know, the Oprah Winfrey show. You get a year. You get a, Everybody gets a year. Like, When does right. that end officially? Who knows? After this year, I think. Should be. Anybody who got extra eligibility after COVID should be done after this season. I'm fairly certain. Really? I would think. Uh, What about about guys that were freshmen during the COVID thing? No, I'm saying like guys who should have been done this year. Like they should have out of eligibility this year. But I think they still get that extra. Like if you were a freshman during COVID, you still were a freshman this year too. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if they should have been a senior last year, like last year should have ran out their eligibility and that would have been it. This should be their last year. Like guys – Yes, yes. To this point, and then they're like, should have been gone, but are still in it. They should right. be gone after this year, is what I mean. Okay. Yeah. I've got so, I don't know so who's Baylor. So you're Sean, bringing, if so Baylor you're Sean Ryan, Jarrett Deggies of the world. Exactly. You're super senior. Right. I don't okay. know who Baylor's bringing back exactly. I could see Baylor making a run at that. I think that Aranda's really got something going. I I don't know, man. Hmm. It, I, I'm very curious about Oklahoma, man. What they lost and Venables never, you know, having a head coaching gig, at least one that I'm aware of. It will not be Oklahoma next year. I don't think so either. No. But it won't be Texas either. So, I mean. Oh, hell no. You got Baylor and Oklahoma State up there. Maybe West Virginia shocks the world. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) You know who else is going to be? A lot of turmoil in this conference coaching-wise. Yeah. And you know who's probably going to be pretty good that we didn't mention at all? Iowa State. 
Uh, no, absolutely not. Not next year. I mean, they've still got guys. Uh, but they don't have their guys. They don't have the guys anymore, Zach. Rocco Becht, Anthony's son. He's stepping in a quarterback, right? Uh, Probably not. Uh, who knows? If he is, <laughs> good for him. But I'm still not trusting him versus what Brock Purdy was for him. Who are you thinking? Uh, man, I think K-State will probably be pretty good. They could be. Like, doesn't it feel like that's about the time when it happens for yeah. them? And, and, and they got Adrian Martinez, a quarterback. That's weird, man. It is weird, but it, it feels like it's going to work. I don't know why, but it already feels like it's going to work for him. I mean, Kansas had some stuff going on at the end. Mm, of the absolutely <laughs> not. Nope. Not not going there yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Yeah, you had to give it a shot, right? I mean, dude, no, I don't think TC is a factor at all. No, I don't think so either. Who is their new coach anyway? Oh, it's Sonny Dykes. Never mind. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah. I don't think TCU early on. Now I think later in the year they may be that team that gets somebody that they probably shouldn't. Um, because the one thing we do know about Sonny Dykes is offensively they're going to find ways to probably score points. I just don't know if they can stop anybody. In time, yeah, for sure. Um, That's what I'm saying. I I think they pull like you know kind of that Kansas stunner like at Texas where they they get somebody you go oh hey how'd that happen. <laughs> Because they're still TCU, and there wasn't like Patterson left the cupboard dry, dry. No, I don't think he left there. it dry, dry. I just, he, I think he's one of those. He didn't guys. leave it Dana dry there, CJ. No, he didn't leave it Dana dry. But I think he's kind of we, you know, talked about you know some of the, you know, coaches in basketball, Roy Williams, Coach K. He was not going to embrace that portal, and I think it and you see what happens when you completely ignore it you get really left behind uh yeah sure seems like it i you know what though zach and, and cj to answer this final question here on on the conference team i think it's oklahoma state because i think spencer sanders and that offense is going to be real good and they'll figure out ways to score points and plus we got to play them there and there's no way we'll finally It'll be in Morgantown. It just won't be next year either. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I think I think Gundy could definitely make it happen. He was inches away from winning it this year, but this wasn't quite enough. So they could definitely pull it out next year. They were extremely tough this year. Hey, they're always tough. Uh, they're always tough. And so speaking of kind of pulling it out, winning this year, let's let's get onto that NFL real quick here, fellas. And we'll kind of rapid fire this two minute drill it. Um, for the playoffs this weekend, which which game is your lock of the of the of the six? Oh man, hmm. so much running through my mind. Steelers beating the Chiefs, I feel like is an obvious one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Splash! I'll say I'll take the easy one. I'd say the Bucks beating the Eagles is pretty much as big a lock as I can get. Because I can't take my Steelers to lose. I just can't do it. That's admirable of you, by the way. I, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you one here, and it's actually going to be uh, the first time uh, NFL history you got two teams uh, with five Super Bowls playing each other in the playoffs: Cowboys <laughs> and Niners. Give me I the boys. About that. I wondered if you would take that. Wow. Give Give, give me the boys at home. Oh, I was gonna say Niners. See, I, I I like the spoil. I like the spoiler 
angle here. I think the Niners are, I mean, they're freaking tough, man. Dallas is good too, though. Very. I, I can't deny that. That's a damn good game. It's honestly the best game of the weekend without doubt. But who do the Cowboys have with any postseason experience? Nobody. Dak the Niners in the postseason? The Niners were in a Super Bowl three years ago. Dak's won a playoff game. But I'm saying, like, legit playoff experience. Like I said, the Niners were in a Super Bowl, th- what, two or three years ago? Whichever one. Three years I mean, ago. Three I, Super I, Bowls ago. I get where you're coming from. I know they're a little beat up on that O-line, which playing Dallas is not great when you got to deal with that. That is true. Um, I mean, that that is the best game. You know what else is weird about that game? It's a CBS game in the NFC. Tony Romo Sunday. will always make sure he gets his boys. Time out. Matters. <laughs> don't don't be don't be. I mean, I love it, but I mean, Tony Romo is the best analyst in the game, easily. He analyzes. That's for damn sure. Hey, I'll tell you what. He, he'll tell you what's up too, and and is very knows what's going on most of the time. I would say, would you rather have Nance and Romo or Buck and Aikman? Oh God, damn. <laughs> Nance and Romo. It's not even close. Oh, don't say it's not even close. Buck it's and not even fun. close. Are you They're kidding fun. me? I I can't go against Nance, but I'm not going to say it's not close. I love Joe Buck. Dude, Joe Buck is terrible. What? He is terrible. Is that how you feel about him in baseball too? Or are you just absolutely? I, I think he's awful for baseball. Wow. I see. I'm with you, Zach. I love me some Joe Buck. I like Joe Buck. What's the hate? Joe Buck is good in a big game, and that's about it. Was that not when it matters? Obviously, and I'm not even treating that good in a big game. He's just been doing them for years. Ah, man. The I'm voice, not even that sure. I don't uh, know. Man. Obviously, Nance is as good as it gets. Like, even on a sleepy Sunday, he's making he's making the game fun for you. And he's he's very soothing, but he's very engaging. He's he's the perfect mix. He can get you on a Sunday at the Masters. He can get you on a Sunday in the NFL. He's he's the perfect he's the perfect announcer. <sighs> Hello, friends. Man, Look. we're not that far from that either. I'm, no, we're not. I can't I wait for that. I'd be excited for something else. I know. I know, man. Hey, but um, I, I'm going to tell you guys this. I think my my, and I don't want to say it because I just I feel real good about the Bengals winning Saturday. Oh boy, against the Raiders. I think Joey B and the fellas are going to be ready to roll there in the jungle. I and I also think some points will be scored in that game. Wow, For I really sure. thought you were going to go to the Rams Cardinals or Rams. Uh, yeah, Rams no, game. no, but does that game not feel like? And we'll go back and hit on the bench. Trust me, um, the Monday, the Monday nighter. Does it not just feel like the Rams should win, but Kyler's going to pull a rabbit out of the hat on a Monday night? Some weird shit's going to happen. Oh, absolutely! First wild card game on a Monday. That's going to be weird. <sighs> Let's get weird. Let's get weird. <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily sure it's going to be a shootout. But like you said, something weird is going to happen. Um, Sunday night, I think we're all saying Steelers don't win, even if Zach wants to, you know. <laughs> it's a fair lock. But, but hey, let's say this real quick. Even though. Ben wasn't super excited. He's like, well, we'll just uh, go out there and have fun, see what happens. Yeah, he did, didn't he? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'll say this. Tomlin and the fellas will cover the spread. They better. If it gets, especially if it Primity. gets up to, if it gets up to thirteen in the hook, Zach, I'm all over the Steelers. Oh man, 
thirty to seventeen feels about right. Mm-hmm. I could see yeah. that. I could see it being a touchdown game. You know, mid fourth quarter, KC scores it, and then it's just a sleeper the rest of the way. Najee Harris better go off off if they're going to win. They're going to have to commit to the run. They're going to have to commit to the run and keep the Chiefs off the field. That's their only shot. I don't. I don't love it for him. I don't love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, go there and have fun. I mean, the Cowboys. Cowboys Niners is the game of the weekend. I feel like in terms of like, man, who knows in that one? And don't plus, sleep. just don't sleep on Pat's Bills. That should be a fun one. Uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. The tradition though of Niners Cowboys for me is just like next level. Yeah. Um. And man, Sunday, essentially, you might as well call it a prime time slot, even though it's not. But man, it's like Sunday, four thirty, ready to roll. Nance and Romo, that's that's the game right yeah. there. Um, the Sunday early game, uh, Zach, do you have it in front of you? Help me out there. That's that's my Bucks Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, man. I, that one doesn't really truly excite me that much. I'll probably you got to watch, you got to look at it, right? Because it's Brady. Um, but yeah, does anybody really give the Eagles a chance in this? Nobody gave the Redskins a chance. Oh, I'm sorry, Washington a chance last year. Excuse me, God, the football team, the football team. Hey, they'll have a new name here soon. I believe Hopefully. in February they're going to release that name. But I could bet on it. Actually, I said you. I'd say you can. It's not the Red Wolves. I'll tell you that much. I want it to be the Red Tails. By the way, uh, I don't. I don't hate it. Yeah. But, but but continue. Hey, they they weren't giving Washington a chance last year, and old Taylor Heineke damn near made it happen. So Jalen Hurts knows how to play in a big game. Yeah, but the last time you saw the Eagles, they gave up fifty to Dak and the boys. Here is another. Yeah, and you know what else is? Yeah, you're right, CJ. They did give up fifty to Dak and the boys. Um, on a Saturday night, that was awesome. By the way, too. Um, that the NFL had those. Doubleheader on Saturday this this uh this past weekend loved it, um, but yeah, Brady is lucky that this game is not in prime time. Has not been good in prime time uh, at all, especially with the numbers. And I'm sure that's a kind of a big number for the Bucks. What probably up to eight, give or take. Yeah, that was an eight and a half. Uh, yeah, man, you almost lean Eagles there with the under uh, or with the with the total. Um, and then, man, so Zach, you know, you were talking about Saturday night, Pat's Bills. Um, what are you reading in that one, man? What are you thinking? I think, I think the Bills all season have kind of played to their level of competition. I mean, from the jump, they let Pittsburgh beat them which shocked the hell out of me and everybody else. And, you know, even this past week, they they let the Jets hang around, hang around, hang around to the very end when they finally put them to sleep. But against the Pats, you know, they split this season. The Patriots got to win the first game around. <laughs> when they when threw it three times. They threw it three times in the snow. I mean, it was just a ridiculously weird game. I, I think the Bills and their kind of recent – commitment to the run game which they really use Allen as their primary runner but Singletary Mm -hmm. Singletary's been getting a lot of work recently I think that really helps them gives them some balance and their defense has been one of the best in the league all season so I think I think it's Bills all the way on that one by the way game time temperature for that game is gonna be three degrees 
Nice. Yeah. Hey, is there gonna be? <laughs> that's snow? a great. That's a great temperature to break through a table on. Oh, um, hey, no literally snow. breaking through ice. No, no snow. No, no snow, but it'll be colder, and I'll get out. <laughs> three Throw degrees. me through three tables. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well jump through a block of ice. Oh, I mean that's essentially what it is—just walking outside. Um, yeah, we might have to stay in Cincinnati after the uh, after the game there to to watch that because that's just going to be fun. But you know what? It, it, it the three degrees part does worry me some for Buffalo. I won't lie, although I, I think they've got this one. I think they're due to that place is going to be nuts. Yeah, it, like it's, it's hats. If it was in New England, yeah, I'm with you, Zach. I think if it was in New England, give me the pads. Um, But Mac Jones, yeah, man, Mac Jones having to go into Orchard Park and Bill's Mafia on a Saturday night in three-degree temps, uh, I I lean Buffalo. I lean Buffalo. Yeah. Um, Now, Zach, I know you said that you were kind of thinking about the silver and black in the jungle Saturday afternoon. Um, do you really think that? Or is that just kind of your wanting to think it because you're a Steelers fan and don't want to see Joe Burrow already kind of start off this next decade of dominance in the right fashion? No, it's not that. It's It really is like every every wild card, something weird happens. I mean, it's, it's inevitable. So – that's one game I really have my eye on, partially because the Bengals are so young. It's going to be – I mean, it's going to be a tough game. The The Raiders don't fold easily. I mean, they've they fought all year. They fought through adversity with, you know, the situation with Gruden, you know, injuries here and there. I mean, they, they have really battled. To be a 10-win team, I mean, who would have seen that coming, especially with all the turmoil early in the season? So, I mean, in Ruggs, that's one thing I forgot, too. Ruggs was the other thing that slipped my mind, his whole situation. They've had some shit go on, man. They and really have had some shit. They are tough as hell. That's just a calling card of the Raiders franchise. I could see them I could see them sneaking that one out in Cincinnati. It's fitting that they made the postseason this year um, with what happened with John Madden. Yeah. I really was kind of all about that, love that story. Mm-hmm. But let's also be real here, Zach. The Raiders don't win on Sunday night without Brandon Staley going for it on his own 11-yard line. Inexplicable. Unbelievable. That, statistics be damned. Have some brain. That makes no sense to me. I, when he did it, I was like, excuse me? Is it? Does that really just happen? Um, I, I just... I, I think the Raiders' gas is finally on empty. I think they found a way to get in, and now it's on empty. I I don't think those guys really want to be playing out in the cold. Um, it's not something they're accustomed to doing. I don't think the Raiders are built to play in that type of that type of environment, that type of game. Um, although David Carr finally going to get that postseason start after getting hurt a few years back when he led the team to it. Like you said, Zach, I do see David Carr having a good game, but. I think the, the surest money of the weekend is the over in this uh, Raiders Bengals game at forty nine. Derek Carr, just for the record, not to be confused with his brother, the former Houston Texan. Oh, that that oh, I did. You I threw in David. David I did. Man, did I really? Mm. 
total. You know what? The Fresno State bloodline, man. The, the one was the original. The, the other was the kid brother. The kid brother's obviously been much better as a professional. Without totally. question. Yeah. I could I could see that over hitting. I think there were plenty of points to be scored in that game. You had mentioned earlier, you know, the Raiders secondary not being too hot, and obviously Burrow and the boys are really, really just ripping it up the field. Next level. They are they're gonna be special for a long time. Hey CJ I hate to say that. Yeah, I just <laughs> hey, do, do you do you not hate uh knowing that the Miami Dolphins were kind of like we're in the running to get Joe Burrow, but then you got two instead. Yeah, well, you know that <laughs> that happens. He, 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 here's my th- thoughts on this game. You know, not to dampen your parade there, Blaine, but if you're Cincinnati, do not let the Raiders hang around. They're mean. That's fair. Because I think that's fair. The Raiders have won their last what four or five by combined twelve. If this thing is close. As you get down into that kind of crunch time, I'm with Zach. Funny things happen, and the Raiders have found ways to win those really close, edged-out games. And I'm not so sure from a fan base standpoint if the Bengals fans can handle that thing being close. Like, you could, you, you don't want that home crowd to be sitting there going, oh, God, what now? Oh, CJ, I, don't do not do that. Don't, dude, don't my team hasn't been up. in the playoffs, been relevant in – Two decades. Screw your fan base. I mean, can I say that <laughs> that I, you know what? No, screw Zach and the Steelers fan base for that Jeremy Hill fumble and me having to sit there for that. Okay, uh, okay. you True. had to bring that up anyway. Um, at what you said though at the end, if it's close, give me Joe Burrow with the football at the end and Evan McPherson kicking a field goal yeah. for, the, for the Bengals. Burrow's unflappable. That's the one thing that I think could make it to where that Raiders upset doesn't happen. Oh, no, I think it's going to be be a fantastic game. I don't think any of their quarterbacks are really going to blink. I think it's going to be a heck of a duel between those two. It's just if, if, if you're the Bengals, I think you want to get out to a good start, jump early, get that crowd really rolling because they're already going to be lathered up, but really give them that reason because it just – I don't know. This Raiders team, especially the last month, has felt like, if they're in a game late, they just find a way to either make a play or capitalize off a stupid mistake. Just, I don't know. If, if I'm the Bengals, I want to put them away early. I just think the matchup benefits the is much more beneficial to the Bengals. I think they just match up better. I think they run the football better. Um, and Probably, the Raiders aren't necessarily but, but, a great rush defense. And I think the Bengals' defense is pretty pretty tough. Jacobs has been very good, though, without question. Yeah, and this is one of those interesting ones, and it was kind of said earlier when you talked about the uh, when Zach brought up the Cowboys, is is this is a game where two teams are going in to an experience that they don't really have a whole lot of experience on either side of it. So that's going to be kind of the interesting thing: who can check the emotions the quickest and realize, okay, it's just an, and treat it just like another game and not get caught up in the the postseason hoopla part of it. Very good point. Very, which very is, good point, CJ. Which is kind of where I think you lean more towards Burrow, given the fact that you know he's not too far removed from having kind of that bright light experience in a national title game. And just having, I mean, Joe Cool applies way more to him than Joe Flacco. So I think that needs to just be made a thing right now. Joey B, man. That's it. 
the king of the jungle. The king of the jungle. King of the jungle. Hey, let's. And in, in in reality, um, I do think. And let's let's kind of talk about this real quick. Dangerous teams, and then we'll get out of here. Um, if you had to pick the most dangerous team in the AFC in the NFC, I would go. I think AFC most dangerous is the Bengals. I think in the NFC, I hate to say it, but I'm, the Niners are scaring the ever-loving shit out of me right I, now. I agree with you. I agree. I think the Niners are kind of that weird New York Giants six-seed type deal from 10 years ago. Like, yep. They might pull some bullshit. And I hate it because I think Dallas is very good this year, but I think the Niners might get them Sunday. I think the Dallas Niners winner – will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. We're also forgetting about Aaron Rodgers, but as I, I say, and yeah, I think apparently are well, the they picked up well here's the other thing with Green Bay is and to me that's why they're kind of the one I'm looking at on the NFC side is they picked up Rasul Douglas and he's become like this lockdown corner. It's true. Dig it. <laughs> Making a lot of big it. plays. I just Green Bay to me is that one. As much as I hate to say it in the AFC side of things, as much as this is going to pain me to say it, Buffalo to me is scary because Josh Allen can beat you with his arm. He can beat you with his feet. They, I don't know. And they've already gotten over the, that Chiefs hump this year. That That's a team to me that scares me a little. Yeah, and you know a team we didn't even bring up is the Titans – and you're getting Derrick Henry back. Uh-huh. A fresh Derrick Henry. And they've been uh, mighty tough without him. Yeah. Mm, extremely tough. Um, right. Their defense uh, has been very stout. And Tannehill with the healthy A.J. Brown and now Julio being back. Like, they, they're getting healthy at the right time. Oh, uh, we had to mention his name. Sorry. Thanks. It's just the reality of it, buddy. It's just the reality of it. Um, you know, the thing is, if I'm the Titans, though, I feel like with them, very matchup dependent, right, coming into games. Like, if they get the Steelers, if they were somehow to upset the Chiefs, that's a great matchup for the Titans. Like, if if they were to get – see, that, that's the thing. I, like, not too long ago. Huh? Steelers beat the Titans not too long ago. I know that's what I'm saying. I think that the Titans are susceptible to a team like the Steelers. Oh, definitely. Like, I think the Titans – but then again, like, if they play the Bengals, I don't know. Like, we're, we're forgetting about the Titans, and we don't want to say the Titans, but, like, I don't know if what they do is going to get them and win them a Super Bowl. Yeah, because you're going to have – because in the playoffs, I mean, you're looking – you know, Cincinnati's a team that can put up points. We obviously know the Chiefs can, and the Titans aren't built to play in those kind of back-and-forth games. That's not what they want to do. And I think you get in a game where you've got to put 30, 35 on the board. I just don't know if the Titans are built to do that. No, And the thing about it is you could see the Titans playing in New England, even if they were to beat Buffalo and the Bengals hold serve and, and so does Kansas City. I mean – do you feel good if you're a Titans fan playing New England? I wouldn't. No, I definitely wouldn't. Like, and it might be a rust a rust versus rest thing for the Titans, unless Derrick Henry's rested, rested, and that's that's going to be the difference there. Yeah, them getting the bye week 
is going to be a big, big um, help for them. I think. <laughs> you, hey, I, I went, I went rested, rested. You went big, big. I like it, Zach. <laughs> um, man, CJ. So, I mean, we, we, I think Zach, did you give us your most dangerous teams? Uh, kind of in the background. I think the Packers. <laughs> I think the Packers and the NFC are the team to beat in general. I think the way they've been playing defensively, especially like uh, CJ kind of referenced in the secondary, they've been playing really strong with Douglas and uh, Stokes, the rookie. But their offense is just scary. And they got Bakhtiari back on the offensive line. I mean, that's an unquestionably huge, you know, get for them going through the postseason. Like, I, I'd put all my money – on them winning the Super Bowl right now, personally. And then AFC, it's got to be the Chiefs. I mean, I'm not sold on the Titans, even with their health, you know, getting back to where they're at. But they're going to be tough. There's no question about it. I just have a hard time putting Tannehill in the Super Bowl, personally. But, you know, the Chiefs are what they are. They're they're going to play their best football this time of the year. So, I, I think it's those two teams, Green Bay and Kansas City. Well, and the other thing with Green Bay, too, is just with Aaron Jones at running back, I mean, they found a way to – Really take the air out of the ball and just run it down your throat and kill clock. AJ Dillon too, thunder yeah. and lightning combination there. Yeah, and it's it's a very very much a thunder and lightning combo with those two, and in the Lambo leap and man playing them there at this time of year makes yep. it difficult too. I think that's a tough thing. But Absolutely. what I will say is though, I think the Cowboys and the Niners are both equipped to go in there and beat the Packers and Lambo. Um, the Cowboys kind of freaked me out because I think most of their best offensive games have been in AT&T Stadium home. Like, that's where they really thrive is in that dome. Playing on the elements, man, that's different. Well, but but they have the ability. Well, they, 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 they put up 50 on the Eagles in Philly. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. They can do it. I'm just saying most of their prolific offensive games this season have been at home. Dak has struggled kind of mightily on the road. But he also put up a good number of points against New England early too, when he hurt hurt his calf, and then that kind of kind of had set him back, spiral there, and right. set him back for a minute. Pollard being healthy too, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, but I think those are the two teams in the NFC I think have the best chance to dethrone Aaron Rodgers, and kind of. But then again, we just didn't even talk about Tom Brady, um, and that's a whole other story. Um, they're down some pieces, though. It's all they about are. who's healthy they are in the too. playoffs. I'm, I'm with you, Zach. Uh, that's why I don't buy them the way I did before. Yep. I honestly kind of hope, if I'm a Cowboys fan, that I can find a way to beat the Niners somehow, and then I get Tampa, and I think I can pull it off. But then you're betting against Tom Brady. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. To <laughs> it really is. NFL got a nice little watch party. Then. Got oh. like a watch party at a friend of mine's on Saturday to watch a couple of the games and get uh, my Dynasty Fantasy League trophy. It's going to be pretty sick. I heard that, buddy. CJ, what, what are you going to be doing there? Ah, I'm going to be kicked back. Um, watching some of the games, working a little this weekend, but definitely just kind of kick back and join, watch some of the games. Bring um, mm-hmm. a little bit of warm-up down here. <laughs> uh, well, good luck, you know. I, it's, I don't know if it- – we're going to be getting that here. We're getting another foot of snow. Yeah, well, hopefully it gets – and we won't get that snow, Zach, till I get well, back they, from it, Cincinnati. It, 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 it hit like 40 – it hit like upper 30s down here, and people mm. were walking around like it was two degrees. So, I mean – Yeah, but, well, 
Hey, CJ, it's going to be three in Buffalo on uh, <laughs> Saturday night, and I'm going to be in the jungle um, at the Bengals game. Cannot wait. Bengals Raiders, you know, NFL playoff game. Going to catch the Mounties in a, in a little bar, uh, restaurant area down there, of course. And then uh, hopefully we'll know one way or the other before we roll into the game. Might have to uh, might have to watch the conclusion of the Kansas game via phone, via the apps. But thank goodness CBS is a pretty good one, so should be able to continue to follow what's going on. Yeah, just to give you it a heads up, there be. be be careful in Cincinnati. There are a couple of Steelers bars. Don't don't find yourself rolling into one of those. Uh, I I don't think it's going to be a problem come come Saturday for us, though, my friend. Let's say uh, those bars will be pretty quiet. Yeah, uh, they'll they'll wait till Sunday. Uh, to get those to get those bad boys revved up, but I mean, gonna be a great weekend in NFL football. Great weekend with the Mounties. Uh, we're gonna continue to keep coming back here. We had a little hiatus around the holidays, but uh, hoops is back and better than ever. And uh, the playoffs are here. So uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Till next time, y'all take it easy. Let's go Mountaineers. Let's go drink some beers and enjoy your playoff weekend.